Happy New Year, Batmites. This is Steve. And this is Andy. And this is Steve and Andy meet Batman family number 11, June 1977. We've been on a little break. Yeah, we have been on a little break. But we're Uh, ringing in the new year in in style, I would say. Right, this is the only way to actually ring in the new year. (laughs) 2016 hasn't started yet, as far as I'm concerned. No. Until we read Batman Family number eleven. Uh, well, the, oh, oh my this God. is the first time. This is the first time we've recorded a Batman Family episode. But the truth is, every new year for the past eleven years now, we've right. been ringing in a new year with by reading an issue of Batman Family. By reading this issue, we, just this, <laughs> we should we do this every this year. Up. And we just read this one over and over again. So we're we're Steve and Andy um, coming yeah. live. From Austin, Texas, and Mankato, Minnesota. How are things up in Minnesota? Uh, they're they're good. Um, it's snowy. Uh, there is snow on the ground outside, and um, I know it's cold right now, but I you haven't no, it's it's not going to be like it is tomorrow. Andy has not stepped foot outside in 2016. <laughs> it's I have. It's... It, right now, right now, it's one. Oh man, that's that's rough. The that's... high today is going to be negative three, oh, and the low. God. Oh, and God. the low negative fifteen. Oh man! And that tomorrow's is... tomorrow's the big uh, playoff game with the Vikings and the Seahawks. Yeah. At TCF, and TCF is outside, That's... so it's going to be super cold down there. Seahawks for can't handle. I and think Marshawn Marshawn Lynch isn't going to play tomorrow. Oh really? So, yeah. He just refuses. He didn't, to... he didn't even he didn't even come. He Be- stayed in... Because he said 2016 hasn't started. He's waiting for this episode. Right. Yeah, I know. That's... Um, so we're going to do a few things in this episode. Talk about yeah. one story, Till Death Do Us Part is the name of the story, starring Robin and Batgirl. And uh, the di- we're also... The Dynamite Duo. Not the, the Dynamite Duo. No, I think the right. Dynamite Duo is Commissioner Gordon and Alfred. No, they have a different name. They actually do. It's another, like, an alliteration. Oh, I thought like it was that. a new team. That's what they call them. The no, debut no, no, of a new have... team, Commissioner Gordon and Alfred. No, they actually have a name, but I forgot what it was. It was like uh, the Dangerous Duo or something like that. The Dirty, the Dirty Duo. The dirty duo. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about that issue. Um, and we're also going to be talking about our favorite music, TV, and movies after yes. every act of this story. Yeah. Um, there are three acts. So, um... so this is how it's intended to be done. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that. Yes. This particular story... They wanted you to read a section and then say, you know what I really liked last year? This. And yep. then read another section and then go, you That's know what it. else I really liked? This. <laughs> so June 1977, you could pick this up for 50 cents. What a time and, that was. And then head to see Star Wars. Yep. Yeah. And this year, you can listen to this podcast I and know. then head to see Star Wars. Exactly. 2016, is it as good as 1977? I mean, um, we don't know. Fun. It may be. It may be. So, I've heard that J.J. Um, Abrams <laughs> intended for you to bring your listening device to yep. the theater, plug in, and listen to this over the first, you know, X amount of uh, yeah. force weight, or just listen to it on a loop. Yeah, this this it syncs up perfectly with the movie. Yeah, it's like Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard <laughs> of Oz. Batman Family Giant and Force yeah. Awakens. So we're going to be talking about that later, and then at the end we'll kind of recap 2015 um some of the highs and lows i guess (laughs) (laughs) and uh but for now let's get into act one of batman family giant the story we're going to be talking about is called till death do you part on the cover we see (laughs) it's robin and batgirl um robin's wearing 
what looks like his costume, but he's got a nice tuxedo version of it and a cape. Now, this is what you're going to wear, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing that right now. So <laughs> I'm, that's what I always wear. Oh, okay. And then uh, we got Batgirl dressed up um, in a it's not it's not a dress, but it's a white Batgirl costume with like a Batgirl veil. It, yes. it doesn't look as good as Robin. And uh, they're getting married and someone's – we see the minister saying, Robin and Batgirl, I now pronounce you man and wife till death do you party. Pulls a gun on him. We see goons surrounding them with guns. Yeah, what? and if you look into the gallery, everyone has a gun. Yes. And what's going on? I When I saw this, I was like, oh, interesting. This will make sense by the end. Right, yeah. By the and end of reading this, I'm going to – spoiler, it doesn't make any sense. I was more confused <laughs> by the end. <laughs> So we open the splash page. She's Barbara Gordon, Congresswoman. Yeah. He's Dick Grayson, college student, and a ward of Bruce. I like that Batman, Wayne, in case you We're didn't just, know. Uh, you know. First-time first readers. Yep. Both battle crime <laughs> and know, their... <laughs> you never know. There could be like a 12-year-old kid at a drugstore looking at the comics rack. Yep. So I've heard a lot about this Batman fella. I think yep. I'm finally going to dive in and buy one and pick up Batman Family number 11. There, there is definitely at least one kid who, uh, <laughs> did who, who did that. Um, yeah. She's Barbara Gordon, Congresswoman. He's Dick Grayson, college student, award of Bruce Batman Wayne, both battle crime, and their costumed identities frequently teaming up as the dynamite duo Batgirl and Robin. We see on the splash page, you are cordially invited to attend the wedding of Batgirl and Robin. Uh, I wonder if they sent save the dates out. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I did. wonder where they were registered. Oh, but Amazon. Tar- Target. <laughs> Target, no, definitely. Uh, but Robin's not a Bed Bath & Beyond kind of guy. No, he's not, no. Maybe and cre- you would think, you know, coming from money like he has, Yeah. he, you know, like Saks Fifth Avenue or something. No. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Have you heard about shotgun weddings? Oh, I have. I bet you'll never expect... <laughs> I messed that up. <laughs> I bet you never expected our Dynamite Duo to be the targets in one, did you? Uh, yeah, I did. Actually. Maybe from the I, cover, you probably Commissioner Gordon. I was expecting one day would have done it. <laughs> it's true. He wants some of that Wayne cash, you know, <laughs> any by any means necessary. <laughs> That's true. He was P. Newton style. How this matrimonial mayhem came about will be revealed as. It... That's just that's that's a lie. That's it was not revealed yeah. how this came about. Really, it actually wasn't. That's what was odd. <laughs> um, as the bride and groom make a vow to fight till death do us part, and that may not be very long at all. Ooh, <laughs> I do have to give uh, uh, Barbara Gordon and uh, Dick Grayson credit. Yeah, you have the 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 minister there holding. <laughs> just holding a gun right in there. John face. John wooing it. He's holding two guns. <laughs> yes, he, he is. You know? I mean, he's acting like he's in Hard Boiled or The Killer. And, <laughs> and, and Robin and Becker are very calm. Yeah. Well, they, they're used to it. This was part they, – they, they did the wedding rehearsal. They're, they're used to it. Well, that's true. They're used to <laughs> they, it. They did it. I expected, I expected doves to fly in the background in slow motion. <laughs> and everyone so. shoots them. Yeah. Uh, okay, we open Chapter Run. <laughs> chapter Run. Chapter, we, open, we open with Chapter 1, Murder in the Car. The court. I can't even say it. The straight face is too ridiculous. Uh, we hear an announcer saying, "Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Hudson University and the first game of our round robin basketball tourney." This was like before Hudson March Madness, where, right? Yeah, yeah. Hudson is where um Dick Grayson goes. Yeah, that's where that's where he's a student at. So do you think Hudson's like one of those uh like New England private 
private private liberal liberal arts, arts yeah school. it's yeah it's kind of like vassar or something like yeah, that yeah something like that <laughs> and do you think if if rob if robin dick grayson was still the son of two acrobats he'd be going there oh no way he wouldn't be in college he'd be dead he'd be in, he'd be dead. He'd be in like he'd be in like some directional school like north south illinois state university <laughs> Yeah, Robin, he's in these these uh very prestigious uh uptight schools. He's kind of an uptight guy. Yeah. Um we hear an announcer saying with me at Cindercourt to do the opening toss up is HU's resident superhero the best Robin around? I I don't get it. I don't get that. I think there are other Robins on campus. Oh, okay. But you know, there the could best. be like a like there could be a gal named Robin Clark or yeah. like famous film critic Robin Wood, for instance. Robin Williams was went to yeah. school here. He was student at the same time what i'm curious about is dick grayson a student at hudson or is robin a student? i think robin is a student robin goes to class in his underwear every I day i like, don't know why they have a uh round robin the robin he's sponsoring this tournament um so we see there in the middle center court there's tons of fans around robin has the ball um so and the game's about to start robin's gonna do the opening toss-up which makes me think he's also refing this game <laughs> Which I love. Rob, he, he does every game. Yeah, you know, I love it. There's four, four local liberal arts schools <laughs> are competing in this round robin tournament, and he's going to ref all four games. Uh, so just about everyone's seen a basketball game, but we'll yes. venture to say you've never seen it quite this way through the sight of a rifle. That and that's I, untrue. I, that's untrue. I've seen, that's how I watch all basketball. <laughs> I went to an Ohio State game and I looked through the scope of yeah. This is for the entire time. Yeah, I go to UT Texas. That's that's how everyone watches basketball here. That probably is how people watch <laughs> basketball in Texas. Um. So someone's someone's they got a sniper basically. There's a sniper lined up sight on Robin. Robin throws the ball up and kablam! Someone says, "Oh my gosh, Robin's been shot." Sniper, there's a sniper. Let's get out of here. No one rushes to Robin's aid. No, they just want to get out of there. Everyone leaves. We see in the ensuing panic, the assassin disassembles his weapon, puts it in his suspicious trench coat. I mean, he looks suspicious. Oh, yeah. as... Trench coat mafia. And uh, just as he's about to leave, a gloved hand grabs him and says, "Don't leave yet, pal. It's Robin." He says, only thing you wiped out is his basketball. We see a deflated basketball. It was actually, uh, it looks a little like a young Bill Belichick. Who was... <laughs> <laughs> who was... who... And he looks very good. And the guy goes, uh, Robin, that's... He's wearing a wet shirt with his sleeves cut off. <laughs> Robin grabs the guy's, <laughs> the guy's coat. Uh, he go, the, the goon says, thanks for holding my coat. He's about to shoot Robin. Robin throws a coat in his face. He says, hold it yourself. I need both hands for a two-fisted blow. Robin's very familiar with that. Take uh, the bread basket. The goon tries to kick Robin. Robin kicks him back, knocking him on the floor. The, and just then the goon rushes Robin. And he says he's going to try to take his life. He's gonna, I'm going to choke you out, <laughs> Robin. Then leaps, sort of does a rolling tumble back, kicks the guy in the air right into the basketball point. Robin says, it's good. Two points. It was before the three-point yeah. line in college. It was at so. half. He did it at half yeah. half court. Yeah. Um. Just then, breaking through the crowd is security chief Frank McDonald and police lieutenant Rick Tatum. Oh, they're good too. <laughs> and I guess who do, you uh, playing, who do you think's playing Rick Tatum in a uh, Batman versus Superman? It's a good question. Let's let's think now. I don't know. He's he's kind of what the name like, Channing Tatum is. What I'm assuming it could be. Yeah, it could be Channing Tatum. 
Um, so one of them's kind of a younger guy wearing a nice turtleneck. The other's an old grizzled guy smoking a cig right on the court. Yeah. It was the 70s. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, he says, a little early in the game to put on a halftime show, wouldn't you say, Robin? He goes, maybe, Chief, but <laughs> you got to admit the game started with a bang. Um, security Chief Frank McDonald says, yeah, that clown nearly bloated a kingdom come and you joke about it? What are you made out of? I love Robin's response. <laughs> The same stuff, same kind of stuffing as you. Not potatoes. Stuffing, not potatoes. <laughs> uh, but if I don't crack a joke to break the tension, I might never put on this costume again. I feel like Robin's suppressing. He's going to just go insane. Yeah, yeah. He's like suppressing his emotions. Yeah. And uh, the chief says, enough of the psychology hour. I want to know who this character is. Robin says he's a hitman from Maze. It's a crime for hire organization. So is that like a Native American crime organization? Yes. <laughs> they, they, they were called Corn, but they... With the backwards R. <laughs> a hit, a hitman for Maze. It's a, an organization that Batgirl and Robin battled a few months ago in Batman Family Number Five. Um, the goon, as he's being led away, says, "Your days are numbered. Maze ain't gonna rest till you're six feet under." And Robin just says, "They then they have a lot of sleepless nights ahead." He's not afraid of these goons. Oh, he's not. Yeah. Uh, the chief says, "I wonder who who hired Maze to." To go after you, and Robin says, "I'm dying to know." <laughs> the, the lieutenant says, "That's not funny. It's not." His, his, his brother's dead. I mean, he's like one of those guys <laughs> that when he hears something like that, like, "Oh, like," makes a joke about being in a car accident. That's not funny. I, my my neighbor was in a car accident. Like he's like one of those guys. You know? Yeah. He's it always is. wants to make it about him. Total buzzkill, this guy. Yeah. The next morning, at an out of the way gas station upstate, you see a car drive up. It's this old man, balding. Or not balding, he's totally bald. Got a cardigan on, mustache. The gas station attendant says, fill her up. He goes, yeah, where's your washroom? He goes in. And then the narrator says, is this driver wacko? Why does he start yelling at his reflection in the washroom mirror? I think he's trying to psych himself up. I think he's one of the coaches in the round robin tournament. <laughs> he could be. He's trying to, and he's trying to psych himself he up. Does, he, he, he does look like a college basketball coach, now that you mention yeah. it. He says, you blew it. I shell out 100 grand to have like Robin. coaches at Seton Hall or something. <laughs> Says he shelled out a hundred grand to have Robin and Batgirl knocked off, and the ace you sent after Robin is strictly amateur night. Said he it told was, me it was amateur night. It was. It was. It's student athlete night is what they prefer to call it. <laughs> uh, he said you told me how you laid out uh, the job, you know, with your usual expertise. Uh, you know. This is a misfire. It's like you totally messed it up. You said it would now, be surefire. Now, do you think the guy that owns this gas station knows that there are hidden cameras in the bathroom? Yeah, that's part of the... <laughs> There's actually a hidden camera to a cr criminal organization in every shell now, so... <laughs> uh, so he's talking to this criminal guy via this hidden camera, and the guy says, Calm it down. I got Batgirl taken care of. I guarantee it. Mysterious goings-on. An ominous remark. Which we'll learn more about in chapter two next, the oh, final fuck. days of Batgirl. So before we get into chapter two, first thing we're going to talk about. Well, first, should we just say how gripping chapter one was? Yes. Yeah. Very good. I, I mean, was on the edge of my seat, and this I is was. the second time I've read it. <laughs> uh, I'm standing up. I'm not even sitting down. I'm not even in a seat at all. Yeah. Yeah, well, pretty good. Three, I, you'll, you'll collapse to the ground. I have to say, by the by, the end of the story, it's just like this. This story is a hodgepodge of different ideas. <laughs> it is. It's like they took three 
like disparate stories yeah. and just really yeah we'll just put them together <laughs> so the first thing 2015 a lot of music going on in 2015 oh yeah definitely and uh we're gonna talk about some of our favorites yeah of the year 2015 um so what what was your uh, my neither of my favorites are actually albums Oh, okay. And uh, I, I guess I'll... you want to start, or do you want me to start? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Here's what is one of them, at least. So Give one of them, uh, this year... And so this is one of my... Maybe my favorite bands. They might be Giants. Um, yeah. And uh, as you probably know, I don't know a lot of our listeners know, back in the 80s, when They Might Be Giants, before they really were a big thing, they put an ad in uh, the Village Voice, a local paper, paper there in New York, um, yeah. for Dial a Song. Which you could dial, you could call a phone number, and their uh, on their record or on their answering machine, they'd play a little song. Mm-hmm. You could leave a message, right? Which is, I think, kind of forward thinking for that sort of sort yeah. of thing. It's weird. It's different. Um, people had no idea what it was, so they got some funny messages left over. And uh, so this year, they started dial a song again, um, a little different. You could actually call a number and get through, and uh, listen to a message leave or listen to their song leave a message and uh they released one song a week they also released them on youtube and uh their new album that came out this year called glean collected a bunch of them and i think their next album is going to have a bunch um so they released 52 songs throughout the year some are better than others um and uh i really enjoyed it because every week you got a new they might be giant song and uh, I think it's pretty cool that they can do that today. It's not as interesting as it was back in the day or would have been back in the day. But uh, one of the things that made it so neat back in the day is that they were completely unheard of then. Yes. So it seemed more like a mystery to do it, you know? Yeah, and I think the ad just said, dial a song. And right, yeah, I believe number. you're right, yeah. <laughs> so they kind of brought it back a little bit. And I, and I thought it was cool. 52 knew They Might Be Giant songs. And the record Glean, I don't know if you listened to it. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's good it's you know it's i feel like they might be giants musically haven't really changed it a lot no. over the years <laughs> no i would um, say that's probably one of the biggest that's probably the biggest um like criticism you could make of them yeah but to me that's that's essentially that's, been doing the same thing for over 30 years yeah i mean the same style right and yeah to me that's it, it, i don't think it's a bad thing i like their music so um, yeah. you could like pick a song from, um, John Henry, which I think came out in 1995 or flood, um, 1990 and put it on their new record and it would fit. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was cool. They might be giants. Dial a song is one of my, uh, top music picks of the year. And I think one of my favorite songs from that was erase, um, which is on their album glean. And, uh, let me see which week it came out. Oh, it's it's their first one, week one. So it came oh, out wow. uh, January fifth, twenty fifteen. So they blew, they blew their load. They the started first. they started strong. There were other good ones. Um, let's see if I can find a full list of the songs. <laughs> the songs just progressively went downhill from week one. Week <laughs> week yeah, the week fifty two was the worst. <laughs> um, but let's see. Some have weird names. I mean, just you know, they're typical. Yeah. They might be giant song. Right, All the yeah. lazy boyfriends. Um, oh, they one song they did. They was a cover of Bills, Bills, Bills by Destiny's Child. <laughs> um, and 
the, the other thing I like about uh, They Might Be Giants is they tour a lot. Yeah, and I've seen them almost every year that I've been in Austin. They're coming again. Um, yeah. So it's I, – and I think their, their sh- live shows are really fun and uh, pretty good. And I think – 2016 they have a new children's album coming out which i'm it's those are okay they're pretty fun but uh they've been doing a couple of those yeah yeah they've done i think this is going to be their what like fifth one or something uh maybe fourth here comes the abc's one two three science and i don't know what their new one is called well they have the first one's called no the first oh right yeah yeah that's right so that this will be their fifth one yeah I'm kind of, like, unfamiliar with anything by They Might Be Giants post-John Henry, except for No. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, they've, they've had a lot since then. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but to me, one other thing I like about They Might Be Giants is, uh, um, you can, for, I've listened to a lot of their songs, but I can go back and, to an album that I haven't listened to in a while, uh, and, uh, kind of rediscover or discover songs that I'd kind of skipped on it before. Yeah, and uh, one album I did that with recently was Mink Car, which came out in two thousand and one, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a pretty good album. Uh, it's it's not twenty fifteen, so I can't recommend it, but it's well, yeah, yeah, it's a fun, it's it's a fun album. Now I'm probably an outlier with them, but uh, my peak for them was Apollo eighteen. I do like Apollo eighteen a lot. That's my favorite of their albums. I like Lincoln a lot as well, but uh... Lincoln was their second album, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apollo 18 uh, was the first They Might Be Giants album I had and listened to. Uh, that one was cool because they recommended you listen to it on Shuffle. On Shuffle. Yeah. yeah, and it had all those one-second. Like really short songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it's, it's I, you know, in today's music landscape, I think it's hard to do anything like, like that, like weird like that, or like the original Dial-A-Song. But um, Well, especially like to like listen on Shuffle because... I don't know how many people, because of the way that most people, I think, buy music now via uh, digital download. Yeah. You can't really set it up for, like, random like you once could, I guess. I mean, I guess you could, like, create your own playlist, but. Yeah, it's not the same. I mean, yeah. And, and people really don't listen to albums anymore as, you know, as a unit. Yeah. Although, I mean, the sales of, like, vinyl records. I mean, this winter, I mean, the top-selling uh audio uh seller for amazon was the turntable yeah uh, people are listening to those more but it's a fraction of i mean the right. way that that Compared most people to what people listen to via like digital yeah 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 do you have spotify or any of those services um i um don't do spotify because i didn't like i tried it and i didn't like it um i found it kind of obnoxious yeah I do uh, listen to Pandora from time to time, just kind of set up a station and let it let it rip. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> you mean you let out a big fart as well? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And um, I do have a subscription to Rhapsody that I use on occasions. Okay. But that is more like oh, I can pick out an album and I can listen to it in complete, you know, the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Cool. I'm not much on um, just like. Picking out a song and listening to it, and then picking out another song and listening to it. I yeah. kind of like listen to them and, and complete. Yeah. So that that's my music pick for 2015. What's yeah? What are some of yours? Uh, well, um, I've got a series of albums that I like that were in 2015, and I'm probably forgetting things. But um, first one I want to mention actually came out 
for in the second half of 2014, and it was an album called uh, Wild Onion by oh, okay. the, the band Twin Peaks, which yeah, I told you about them. I almost put that on my list. I, I think oh, that, great. That's, that's, you, you kind of uh, turned me on to them in uh, one of my favorite albums of the last couple of years, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, on um, <clears throat> one of their websites, you can download a demo version of the album. Oh, cool. Okay. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool, yeah. We, we'll, and, uh, we'll put a link to all these on our Facebook page. So, yeah, and um, yeah, and um, I really really enjoyed that. That's kind of like a indie uh, indie pop with like a hints of psychedelia to it. Um, the name Wild Onion is a reference to the Beach Boys album Wild Honey, and even the uh, the font that is used on the record cover is the Beach Boys Wild Honey yeah font. Um, <clears throat> and you can kind of hear kind of like a lo-fi Beach Boys from that time period on there, kind yeah. of like late, you know, post pet sounds, so smiley smile, friends, wild honey, 2020 kind of mm -hmm. era. Um, <clears throat> but I found that very enjoyable. I like that a lot. Um, some of the ones, uh, Dick Diver, which is, a uh, they have a new album that came out this year called Melbourne, Florida. They're an Australian indie pop band. Um, again, lo-fi. Um, I really like lo-fi music, yeah. so it's kind of in that realm. Um, that's very enjoyable. Another one um, that isn't ultra well known is the band Ducktales. It's just the the it, yeah NES game Ducktales covers. Yeah, they, they're they're a indie pop psychedelic group as well that do kind of lo-fi music. Cool. Their new album's called Saint Catherine. It's very good. Um, of Montreal had a new album, which I, a lot of their album titles like I don't. Orate Gloom, I'm assuming. It's okay, okay. <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> Yeah. It's uh, different than a lot of their other ones. Their other ones have more of like the Baroque pop kind of psychedelic sound to it. This one has more of like, almost like a funky garage rock sound to it. Okay. Uh, it's not as good as, say, The Gay Parade, which is an earlier album of theirs, or uh, Satanic Panic in the Attic, which is another early one of theirs. But it's still good. It's still very enjoyable. And uh, for my last two picks... I'm going to go with more well-known things. Uh, Father John Misty's I Love You, Honey Bear. I really enjoyed. At first, I didn't like it as much as uh, um, Fear Fun, okay. the previous album. But after listening to it more and more, I think I do like it more than that. <clears throat> There's some really great, really great songs on it. Chateau, Lobby Number 4, I Love You, Honey Bear, The Night Josh Tillman Came, over, came to Our Apartment, Nothing Good Ever Happens at the Goddamn Thirsty Cow. There's a lot of good songs on it. Um... Even Bored in the USA, which uh, I think was like the lead single. I like that that was the lead single because it's probably the strangest song on the album. And uh, the lyrics are very funny. I, I find his lyrics to be very funny. Uh, but that was very good. And uh, the last one is Panda Bear's new album, Panda Bear Meets the Grim Reaper. Okay. Uh, again, that's kind of psychedelic, pop, like electronic pop. And uh, that was very good, too. That was... Uh, so did you know uh, Twin Peaks? I think one of the members is brothers with uh, the guitar player from Smith Westerns. I did not know that. Yeah, which I, I would say um, uh, Wild Onion sounds a lot like the first yeah, Smith Westerns can... album in, in, yeah. in a lot of ways, which isn't a bad thing. I really like the Smith Westerns, which are not – they've broken up apparently. Oh, really? Smith Westerns, yeah. I know that. Yeah. Oh, they broke up in 2014. Yeah. Like. Not 2015. Just, uh, yeah. Well, December 2015. Oh, so close. They, they, as, they as, couldn't handle 2015. Yeah. 
Well, it said on December 13, 2014, the band announced they would go on an indefinite hiatus, and then later they confirmed ah, okay. permanent breakup. So that permanent breakup announcement was probably in 2015. Yes, they that's just, right. Smith Wesson's in a more But well, we have Twin hand. Peaks now, which is a yeah, very right. good band. Very good band. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? I think Foxygen's album came out this year. Um, I know I told you about that group as well. Um, their newest one, I think, came out in 2015. Yeah, uh, well, and Star Power... October 2014. That's close enough. Um, it's pretty good too. It's it's a two record set, and I mean it's essentially. Foxygen is essentially just aping, Todd Rundgren completely. All four sides are versions of Todd Rundgren stuff, and even like side one, part one, the hits. That's even like Todd Rundgren something uh, something anything is kind of set up like that as yeah. well. So I mean, that is exactly what they're doing is just aping Todd Rundgren, yeah. which is fine because Todd Rundgren's great, but. They're not as good as him, but they're pretty good. So any other 2015 music highlights? I think I gave like seven picks. Yeah, you gave a lot. <laughs> I, I they might be giants. I gave 52 picks. That's true. That's that's true. <laughs> I know I told I, – I, <clears throat> so you listened to Twin Peaks. Did I tell you about any of the other groups? Yeah, I've listened to a few, but Twin Peaks was definitely my favorite. I've listened to the Wild Onion album a lot. Yeah, it's yeah, very good. It's, it's really good. I think uh, – uh, they were at South by Southwest, a big music festival in Austin. Yeah, did you get to that? Because I told, didn't I mention that they were going to be there? You did, and I didn't. Uh, South by has got so much going on; it's really hard to go yeah. to a lot. Um, I was trying to think of what I saw last year. So the way that South by works, you can get a a a badge or a wristband. The badge is very expensive. A wristband is cheaper, but a lot of people like like me, I don't get anything yeah. because you can go to any of the shows, and there's a lot of like secondary shows i saw yeah. the zombies at a whole foods <laughs> oh you saw the, you saw the zombies yeah over there. it was awesome were they good yeah they were really good did they um, do odyssey and oracle or yeah they, they yeah they played a lot of i guess newer stuff i guess they have new yeah. they still yeah they have a new album that came out yeah which, which was good i didn't know any of it but it was fun and then they basically said oh uh here's the stuff you guys all want to hear this is from our most famous album and they played a bunch of the stuff from odyssey and oracle and it, it sounded great and cool. uh Decent number of people, not a ton of people, so it was a pretty good show. And um, you said it was at a Whole Foods. At a Whole, so Whole Foods is headquartered. It started in Austin, yeah. And um, the headquarters downtown is like a, this giant Whole Foods, and they've got a um, kind of a this patio area. It's pretty big, and they put a stage on it sometimes. And during South by, they'll always have bands up there. Oh, I was hoping that you would say they were like forming in like the produce section or something. I, I wish. I wish it would have been better. Uh, that was definitely the best show I saw last year. I didn't see a ton yeah. of. I didn't do a ton of South by stuff though. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, if if uh, Twin Peaks comes back, I'll uh, I'll definitely see him again. One other thing I, I wanted to note: this is probably not something you've listened to in 2015, yeah. but uh, this this is a, maybe. This this band has, I think, given me uh, more trouble over the years because they have definitely oh released. <laughs> I know who it is. They have released uh, more bad stuff than good stuff, but I think their good stuff is in their entire career. They've released way more bad stuff than good stuff. But by their good their good stuff is very high quality. Yes, that, their, their good stuff... stuff is their bad stuff is incredibly low quality. Yes, and and for the past, um, I would say now. 20 years they have released almost all bad stuff but i still listen to it and and this is this band i think you know is weezer is the uh, uh the band 
But this year or last year, they released two singles or sorry, three singles, two of yeah. which were really bad. Um, and and there, that was the first one was called Everybody Needs Salvation. The second one is called uh, that even sounds like a terrible song. <laughs> the second one, that one's that one's the not as bad as the the other one. The other one that's pretty bad is called um, I'll Thank God for Girls. It's it's bad. <laughs> But they've released a third song um, called Do You Want to Get High? And when I heard it, I was like, oh, my God, this is terrible, but I have to listen to it. I'm, I'm not kidding. And this yeah. isn't even through my lens of liking Weezer irrationally, which I will fully admit that I like stuff that is, is bad just almost because it's just them. Or I will listen to stuff that's bad because it's them. This song, I think, is the best song that Weezer has released in uh the post pinkerton era and i i like the green album too i think this is yes yeah, it's, it's, it's really good um i think you should check it out maybe, maybe you know, won't like it i'm what, not saying what did you call what, what's the name of it i don't know if you oh do you want to get high i wasn't asking oh, you. Do you was... get... okay <laughs> <laughs> it's on youtube you can find it i think yeah, it's yeah. also on like all the streaming um it... I, gotta, I, I, I gotta ask you about yeah let's i'm looking at their Singles on Wikipedia, okay. Okay, Please. let's let's have a look. You want to yeah. get high? You want to get high? Thank God for girls. Yeah. Memories. Tripping down the freeway. Yeah. I'm your all dad. Bad. All bad. I, I want to know. Yeah. A troublemaker is the name of a song. Why? We are all on drugs is the name of a song. Yeah, I I know all these songs. Yeah. Why? Why is Rivers Cuomo so lame? I know. Well, these that... are terrible names. You know, it sounds like a lame dad trying to be cool. I think I I think some of it is self-aware. Some of it is exactly a lame dad trying to be cool. Um it's it's hard to the thing that I think baffles a lot of people about Weezer is <clears throat> their first two albums, the Blue album, the self-titled Weezer yeah. album, and Pinkerton came out within a few years of each other. Different sounds both of them, but um in over the years, Pinkerton not well reviewed at the time, I guess, but many people regard it. Uh, that's kind of well. that's a lot of that's pretty urban legend, though. Well, but it's not an urban legend that uh, Rolling Stone rated it as the worst albums. Of they didn't. Like, the readers voted. That's yeah, a readers thing, but I know. I know. So that's but, completely different. It got a decent review in Rolling Stone when it first came out. Three but, stars is actually like a decent. Is review. it okay? But yeah. I, not as not as highly rated, or it didn't sell as well as yeah. uh, commercially as a blue album. Um, uh, I would say it has grown in status since it came out. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing. But uh, that's true that it's grown in status. But the the critics hated it. it is a complete yeah, okay, yeah. urban legend. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, so their first two albums very good. Uh, I, I prefer yeah. the blue album much more I than Pinkerton. Too. But because Pinkerton, once you get older, you realize how immature Pinkerton yeah, actually. Yeah, is. it's not. As and that's good actually as... one of my problems with Weezer. Is uh -huh. I went back and I over the summer and I listened to a lot of. The Weezer stuff that I like. Yeah. And the lyrics, I mean, they are so immature. They're so misogynistic. The Blue that's... Album, though. The Blue Album, that's what's, that's what's baffling to me. Like, Pinkerton, yeah. I, just, just look at the Blue Album, though. The Blue Album, to me, is maybe my favorite album ever. I think it's, I love yeah. it. Um, part of that's nostalgia from just liking Weezer when I was, uh, like discovering music, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's a really great album, and and the lyrics are funny, but I think they're tongue in cheek in a way that mm -hmm. is, I agree. is really good. And uh, 
just you know and and then so pinkerton sure it hasn't to me it i agree it hasn't aged as well as the blue album has but then the green album i think the green album was okay it came out uh 2001 i think yeah yeah it's very cute i think the green album is very cute it's a very cute listenable album um after that maladroit i think has not for me aged well at all i, no. I haven't listened to maladroit yeah. in many years and then and then uh starting with maladroit really and really starting with the green album every album has been just bad 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 and every time like you when they release a new album so in 2014 they release a new album which is not terrible it's okay it's like every time they release it you think rivers cuomo has something in him about the the uh, he he is it's possible for him to write a good album um and every year i don't think he knows how to i think i literally think the blue album was a complete fluke. Really? I, it's... And I think Pinkerton, one of the reasons why the Pinkerton thing really got hot is because it appeals, and I do like the album, but it is incredibly misogynistic, the lyrics are, and it's very immature. And I think it appeals to teenage boys ages like 15 to like their early 20s. Where they go like, oh, I identify that. Why are you know why are girls such bitches and things like that? Uh, I think it it it's not that bad. And then the when weird, you get older, yeah. you go, oh god. There's even a song. Um, I don't think it's on Weezer. I think it the blue album. I think it was like a non-album single. Yeah, and well, it's um, I think it's from that time period. Um, no, maybe it is on this one. Um, no one else is that it? The one uh, where... no, that's on the blue album. Yeah. Um. That song, I think, is relatively misogynistic too. Yeah, but I think it. And I, I mean, don't. I don't think that's tongue in cheek. You. Do, I. I definitely think that's tongue. I don't think. But it it's is. hard to know, because I think if you look, if you look at the blue album as a unit, mm-hmm. um, no one else came. The song that comes after it is yeah. sort of a, uh, like a reaction to no one else. I think. I think it. I, I think it's tongue in cheek, but I, I, I agree. But even I, forget about the lyrics. Uh, we could yeah. go on and on about the lyrics. Musically, Pinkerton, I think, is a fantastic album. I, uh, the, I agree. The musically, it's it's better than Blue Album musically. Yes. Lyrically, it's an it's an it's it's not it's but, not as good as Blue Album lyrically. Yeah. But nothing has come close to the mu- musically of Pinkerton. No, I, so at no, least I'm, like musically, he has the at some point he had the ability to write something. And and I I think you should listen to Do You Want to Get High? You might not like it, but... Uh, Do you it, know the difference, though, with yeah. everything that came after Pinkerton? Is Matt Sharp's not there anymore. I, I This is what a lot of people say. Matt Sharp was, like, driving River's creativity. If you, look, if you listen to, like, pre-River's meeting Matt Sharp stuff, it's... It's, ri- it's ridiculously bad. I don't think so. I think some I of think it's, it is. I think it's... it's I think it's not... It's it's like very rough, but I don't think that Matt Sharp had a lot to do because Pinkerton also the best musical album from Weezer was written by Rivers Cuomo entirely without the interaction of the band. I think Matt Sharp helped the band be a certain thing, and I I think the Rentals stuff is very good. I've liked almost all of their yeah. stuff. Um, well, the thing is, like one thing you have to look at is like Velvet Underground. Yeah. Uh, John Cale is on the first two albums. He's not on the last two. Now, the last two albums are classics as well. They're great albums. Velvet Underground and Loaded are great. But they, they are different than the first two albums. So even though Lou Reed was the songwriter, just the presence of John Cale and his influence led to something 
led to the first albums, Velvet Underground and Nico and White Light, White Heat, to be different than Velvet Underground and right. Loaded. So I, there is something to, even if you're not the songwriter, your presence yeah, yeah. does create an and influence. Uh, yeah, that's what I, I would agree with that. Now, Rivers Cuomo isn't Lou Reed. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. not I, John Cale. But, but, but I think it, musically, I, I really do think that Pinkerton is, is fantastic. I think it stands with a lot of stuff. It's really good. And Blue Album, I like I said, I like it, but it's through the lens of nostalgia a little bit. But yeah, um, yeah this new song is is I really think the best thing that they've released since. Which isn't I I agree that's not saying that <laughs> that much. Think right. Um, but but I I enjoyed uh the new single. Do you want to get high? I I don't even know if it's a single. I don't know what they're doing anymore. I, I, think, no it's, idea. I think it's a single. Um, they're not releasing they're... a record, or it's not a single from a record. It's a standalone. Well, I think they're they have an album coming out in 2016, and it'll probably be on that, from what I understand. Oh, okay, I I don't know, but they, um, they've been say, releasing these the past year. I will say that um the album how's it called Everything Will Be All Right in the End or whatever yeah. that's the first one of theirs I haven't heard. I think I I think it's the best one since uh the Green album. So I mean, well, I know that I I know that I've told you that every album whenever they would come out, make believe the Red album yeah. Ratatouille early yeah i don't know if you remember but every time they came out with a new album i would listen to it and i would say i have found the new worst album ever made <laughs> that's that's harsh uh, ratitude one... i think ratitude actually might be worse ratitude than early. i think ratitude probably ratitude is, is absolute bad. worst is the absolute worst album ever made ratitude is bad it is i there's not so much to say and these neat album titles ratitude i know with the dog jumping or hurley with the guy from lost Again, like I kinda said, it's like, like that though. It's just <laughs> kind of like you know, like hey, um, hey kids, I'm cool. I, I know, but I I don't know if he's serious. I can't tell. I can't tell anymore. I have no idea. It's 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 strange. I will agree, it's strange. He's listening to this right now. Oh no doubt. <laughs> Probably crying. Weezer fans hate when anyone rips on Weezer though. I do. I know that. a lot of people, but but it's a lot of the criticism is fair. Oh, I know their albums get like shit on like they go to play. <laughs> I know. It's but it's it's like you know, I think I think what people are thinking is that they get extra criticism based on uh which I don't think is true. People maybe think that like, hey, this isn't so bad. Remember the blue album everybody, but um yeah. it's bad. It's bad. But everything will be alright in the end, which came out in twenty fourteen. I checked. I thought maybe that was 2015. I don't even know if that would have made my top musical <laughs> music list. Um, uh, it's it's not that bad, and it has a few that are okay. But would I listen to this? Would I have even listened to this if it wasn't a Weezer album? I would say no. But um, do you want to get high? I think is a a good song. I will go. F- I will say it's a good song. Um. <laughs> But uh, I will, um, yeah. if anyone wants to read good, funny reviews, read Pitchfork Media's reviews for the recent Weezer albums. Oh, yeah, they're always they're, they're always pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, I have. And I look, I, I, I don't get upset with the criticism of Weezer because I think it's all warranted, all of it. And that's why even in my own mind, I said Weezer is a controversial band. <laughs> I don't know if I like them. I can't figure it out. And I think I. Um, the thing, the thing I think that makes me have a bigger attachment to Weezer than, than a lot of bands is, um, 
and I, and I know a lot of bands were doing this, but around the time, like late nineties, uh, early two thousands, Weezer for whatever reason was pretty active with their fans on the internet. Yeah. And well, um, I think that's the I think that's, and I think that's where a lot of like love for Weezer comes from from a lot of people, and uh, I think as far as I know that is like all fallen away, and now every every artist is active with fans right, on the yeah. internet. So, um, but I do agree. I think that's a big part of why their fans are so defensive of them. Or, or, or I would say loyal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. a lot of people really like Weezer because they have a, an emotional attachment to like the idea of Weezer. Yeah. Um, which like, they I don't realize there's like a million other bands that do that same kind of music. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I, I think it's, I, I get that. But I, I don't have that kind of, like, personal uh, – I don't get offended from right, people yeah. not liking – because I don't like a lot of Weezer stuff. But I still, like, listen to it, always hoping that one day maybe there will be another Blue Album. There has not been another Blue Album. I can say that. But oh, this no. new song, it, it's, it's – the they release this new song, and then they release Thank God for Girls, which is, like – a shitty Ratitude B-side <laughs> yeah. or something. I don't understand. This the song that you like. It's not Blue Album quality. It might be Taupe Album quality, but it's... <laughs> so that's something. It's I, something. Yeah, I would say it's not Blue Album quality. It. A lot of people say it sounds like a Pinkerton song. I would say, like, yes and no. Uh, I don't know. I like the song. I've listened to it a lot. So it's definitely the song that I've, like, had on my playlist. Um, yeah, Weezer. Whew, what a What a band. I should say that I was a Weezer fan at one. I've seen Weezer live in concert numerous times. Yeah, so uh, one thing yeah, I think so they I do mean... that is is pretty cool, which I've seen is uh, they've toured around and do one night um, of play of the, the Blue, Blue album, album and one night of Pinkerton, which I thought was a lot of fun. It's a great marketing idea. So it's like they're because kind of they're, acknowledging those hardcore fans. Yeah. will pay for both nights. I mean, yeah, I, I listened to both. I mean, it was fun. You know, pretty brilliant. Um, but the um. Because what makes it so brilliant is that neither album's very long. Because so theoretically, you could do both albums. In the well, they do. Concert. They did an opening set, so the whole show. Yeah, was actually opening set long. of shitty songs from like Ratitude. Yeah, and I know. That no one I know. I know. They, they the Green album I thought was good. The Green album I haven't listened to in a long time, but it it sound it's very different than their other stuff. It's it's like very yeah. tight and and um, how to say like straightforward i guess in a weird yeah. way but i think it's it's a good album yeah everything else that they've released uh maladroit make-believe the red album ratitude hurley oh. and uh everything will be all right in the end this just i think no one is gonna listen to those songs like no i will say that my feelings on weezer like that they're not the only band that i feel that way about the what shin about like they were once good and now they're oh awful. yeah yeah the, the shins their first album oh inverted world i bought that in 2001 when it came out because i like the album cover yeah and i love and i love the album then shoots too narrow came out and i was like it's still good wincing that i away sucked i thought poor tomorrow sucked and now i'm just like done with them i don't yeah. care i don't even know if they're i don't even know if they're still a band or if they broke up I, well what. there's a lot of bands i they think suck if, I just know that now. I, and i wonder how weezer would be remembered had they just not released anything after pinkerton I, well that's uh, funny that's i think they would have been a lot high, highly thought of oh absolutely i mean 
Rivers Cuomo certainly would. I mean, it'd be like every oh, yeah, album yeah. he's released has been pretty good. And now, yeah. how many albums do they even have? A, yeah, now he's kind of like a joke kind of thing. In a weird like, way. They all, yeah. they all, in every review, they always make jokes about him. But what's weird about some of this stuff in his albums is like self-referential about I'm not as good anymore as I used to be, kind of. Mm-hmm. It's 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 weird. Well, do you know what the problem with stuff like that is? Is that you can get away with doing yeah. stuff like that when you're like twenty, twenty-five, <laughs> but when you're nearing fifty, yeah, it's I think it's, that I'm sad. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Um. Have and you... I think that's the thing. Yeah. I don't. I, I this this was another thing I was going to include. Um. Uh, this is another band that I liked in in high school. Um, yeah. Which is a band called Ozma. I was actually going to funny. I was going to bring that up about them. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I to me, Weezer ceased to exist after Pinkerton. Yeah. And uh, cloned themselves as a bizarre clone, and they named themselves Ozma. Yeah. Um. And they released an album in 2014 called Boomtown, which I really enjoyed. I yeah. think that Ozma is much better, overall much better than Weezer. And they have a very similar kind of sound. Um, but it came out in 2014, so not my, yeah. not it. Uh, which you should check out. Boom, And, and the, the main guy from Ozma, Daniel Brummel, does a lot of like weird folksy kind of stuff that's kind of yeah. interesting. But um yeah, Ozma is a better band than Weezer at this point. And oddly enough, the best <laughs> the best song on Everything Will Be Alright in the End was co-written by um, that guy from Ozma, Daniel Brummel. And it's called Eulogy for a Rock Band. <laughs> and it sounds just like an Ozma song. So, I like Ozma. They're, they're a cool band. We saw them. Remember, that was yeah, we did. Back yeah, in the we day. saw them. We saw yeah, them. we saw them at a... Uh... Like a, I don't even know what it was. It was like one of the smaller, uh, a weird bar in Cincinnati. Yeah, one of the one of the smaller uh, venues I've ever been in. Yeah, that was a that was a good show. And it was a show that was mainly populated by little kids. Because the <laughs> our friends that, came. Because that guy brought his like all of his little brothers and stuff. Uh, yeah, they weren't gonna let us in because no one over <laughs> no one there was over the age of uh, twelve. <laughs> it was like a bar. And they're like, all right, you can come in. Because I, I thought it was pretty cool. Ozma said, if if these, like, which was, to be fair, half of the audience, if they're like, if they, if they can't come in, we'll just play outside instead. Yeah. So they let him let him in. Yeah. Do you know Ozma wound up uh, crashing at their, at their house? house. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know. Because uh, while the opening act, whoever the hell that was, I don't even remember, was on, they sat with us the entire time. Yeah. Cool guys. Because I, uh... I bought a copy of the Double Donkey Disc. Yeah, I there. still have mine. Did they sign and, yours? Uh, they all signed. Yeah, they everyone signed mine. And they, they made like they made like a Josh was... Treadway. They put like a Josh Treadway reference on mine. <laughs> did they put, did they put nipples on one of the donkeys, or was that the reference? <laughs> no, I don't remember about that. But I mean, there is a Josh Treadway reference on it. Oh man, Double Donkey Disc. I like. I like that. It's a good record. It is it's, pretty. Yeah. It's my top pick of a. Uh... 2015. 2015 double donkey disc from 2001 <laughs> yeah. double donkey disc one side was like the standard osma songs the other side yeah. included like russian folk songs yeah. that's the side i liked better and yeah it was really good and it had um 
it had a song in Russian, I think. It was interesting. Yeah, I remember seeing that. But yeah, I like that setback. Um, Dom, um, I'm sorry, Ozma uh, has that kind of same problem with me. Not as bad, because I actually listened to a lot of their stuff recently, too. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, their one single, Lorraine, is the reference to Back to the Future. Like, yeah. I kind of out, like, I kind of outgrown a lot of that stuff. Oh, really? I still like that. Yeah. So, like, uh, like, as I've gotten older, my appreciation for Back to the Future has almost completely gone away. Really? And you know that I've talked about how, like, I think the movie's really, <laughs> like, my problems with the movie. No, we haven't, I don't know. The Chuck You're... Berry stuff, I've told everyone this, the Chuck Berry thing. It's talked about on Film Jive all the time. I hate how they imply that Chuck Berry stole rock and roll from a white guy. I think that's kind of racist. Yeah, I don't think that makes the movie bad, though. It's, no, but I mean, a... it plays into, like, a lot of the kind of, like, conventions of sure. mainstream, uh, big-budget time travel films that I don't okay. really like. That's fair. As I get older, I don't like them anymore. Like, those things bother me more. To me... Uh, back and to I the hate, G- and I completely agree with Crispin Glover about the ending. What did he? He like? says uh, the ending is very materialistic, and yeah. he and Robert Zemeckis got in a fight over that. Yeah, of course it. It's a, and I hate that. I hate that. That does bother me. Um, it doesn't bother me because the movie is an embodiment of the 1980s. Right, it, the well, 1980s are materialistic. Embodiment of like, yeah, the of of the, of Reagan America. The yeah. ideals of the 1980s. Uh, uh, culture and i think that's reflected in the movie i think you can disagree with that culture and i mean i disagree with that culture and like that in the end of that movie and to me also the movie is not i know a lot of people say this it's not a time travel movie it's a movie about um and i think bob gale said when he came up with the movie he was flipping through his parents yearbook and saw, saw his parents as young people and and this is right, something yeah. that a lot of people it's not like uh bob gale thought of this idea but the execution of the movies i still enjoy it i watched it recently yeah to me i i still think like and 2015 the, by the way the year of back to the future the future part yeah. two yeah um what about who the sequel roger, who framed roger rabbit is pretty much it for me for robert zemeckis really yeah not a beowulf no that was horrible did you see beowulf <laughs> no <laughs> i went i i i love the the epic poem beowulf yeah. So I saw it when it came out and did not like it. I did like that he and uh, Crispin Glover, I guess, like, their differences. They mended fences because he's in it. Yeah. He's uh, Grindel. Oh, is he? Yeah, but... Uh... I don't know. Back to the Future, I think, uh, for me, still, I still enjoy it. I mean, I agree it has problems, but... And the, the ending... Back to the Future is a reflection of the 1980s in, in so many ways. Yeah. With, with all the flaws of the '80s as well, Bob Zemeckis. Yeah. Hey. What's I want to hold your hands, he's... pretty cute. I want to hold your hands, pretty. Cute. What about uh, what's that movie he made that was such a flop that Christmas Carol? <laughs> uh, we, I mean, we're saying this. We could describe like twenty movies. <laughs> I was gonna say Death Becomes Her, Beowulf, Christmas Carol. Uh... It basically shut down his studio. Yeah, he actually didn't direct it. I think he just produced that Mars Needs Moms. Yeah, that was it. The best thing that that did, though, is um, it made Disney cancel their contract with him, so he couldn't do his Yellow Submarine remake. Oh, boy. Can you imagine how horrible a mocap Robert Zemeckis Yellow Submarine would have been? 
maybe to me, I'm thinking about this now, Robert Zemeckis might be, like, my Weezer <laughs> of, of movie directors. Maybe. I'm not a big Zemeckis fan. Um, Neither am I, but I like his, I, I like Back to the Future a lot. I think a lot of his movies uh, have the problems of Back to the Future for me. Like, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump's even worse than Back to the Future with its... Yeah. Uh, to me, it's, like, funny. Forrest Gump is the green out. Not even. It's the maladroit of... <laughs> it's a politic that I don't agree with gone wild. Okay, here here's something to get excited for in uh yes. 2016. Robert Zemeckis untitled World War II romantic thriller. He's directing it on Wikipedia right now. Well, The Walk, he also The Walk flopped hard. Oh yeah, wasn't uh yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was Joseph in it. Gordon but he looked weird. I don't What's up with Joseph Gordon-Levitt? wearing weird makeup and movies. I don't know. He loves to do flop films, though. That's for certain. I like Joseph he, Gordon-Levitt, though. He did, um, like, the, the, the Dark Knight Rises hit film, okay? Yeah. And Looper was a hit. Yeah. And Lincoln was a hit, but a small role. But and then G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra was a hit. was a hit. But then he just goes on, like, let's just go on a, a bender of making flops. Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. Horrible film. Huge flop. The Walk. Huge flop. The night before, I don't think did all that well. It, is then, Joseph uh, Gordon-Levitt the Weezer of actors for you? Maybe. And then Snow <laughs> Snowden, and uh, that comes out next year. Oh this, no, that comes out this year. Oh my God, you're oh, right. Get ready. <laughs> and uh, it's directed by Oliver Stone. Yeah, he I hasn't know. Made a good. He hasn't made a good movie in twenty twenty years. Nixon, he hasn't made a good movie since movie. the Blue Album. That's true. I mean, well, Nixon came out in 1995. I mean, that's pretty close. That's pretty close. He's, he listened to the Blue Album. He's like, I gotta do a movie. <laughs> he listens to a Weezer album before he makes a movie. Yeah. That's, maybe that's the problem. Are, so, let uh, me ask you, are we the Weezer of podcasts? Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. We, we, we're in the Hurley era of podcasts. <laughs> exactly. No, I think we've been stuck in the make-believe era for a while. Yeah. Um... Joseph Gordon Lovett is in my favorite, like top three favorite movies. Um, Brick is one Brick, of my yeah, favorite. Yeah, I was going to say, I like that a lot. Which is why I'm excited uh, for the new Star Wars movies. We should talk about movies. We're going to talk about it at the, at the conclusion. We still got to get through a. Uh, yeah, but back. we're still talking about it, like the Weezer of. People. That's true. <laughs> we, should, we should do uh, the Weezer of 2015. Kind of like how Hulk Hogan's in uh, the Ratitude era right now. Yes. He he's of his life. He's hit the Ratitude era pretty hard. Yeah. He'll come out. No, he won't. Yeah. There's no there's no escaping Ratitude. He'll go on a tour where one night he does <laughs> WrestleMania 3. <laughs> he does but before he does before he does WrestleMania 3, he does a set uh, he super just... racist. He just says a bunch of racist stuff. Yeah. <laughs> He'll do it in the Whole Foods parking lot. <laughs> That's 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 weird because that's what the zombies was. It was like twenty minutes of racist rants, and the then here's what everyone wants. To Odyssey and Oracle. Oracle. Actually, it started with Odyssey and Oracle, and they were like, "Here's what everyone wants." Here's, to here's what you guys all came for. You can leave now. Someone yep. did a review of a Gallagher live show recently, and that's what his live show was. Was almost was just like nonstop, like racist and uh, sexist and uh, commentary. <laughs> And then he broke out the sledgehammer at the end. If, you know what? That's it's probably what it's always been. Probably. I want to know what Gallagher 2's up to, though. Is that 
That's his That's brother. brother. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's starring in the untitled World War Two era <laughs> romantic directed by Bob Zemeckis. See, it's not untitled World War Two thrill romantic thriller. It's untitled Gallagher Two yeah, romantic thriller. Yeah, that's right. Thriller. Gallagher Two is the World War Two of comedians. Ron Gallagher. That's his name. Oh, Ron boy. Gallagher. I don't All know right. if he can talk Gallagher Two anymore. Okay. Speaking of twos, Chapter Two, the final twos. I've forgotten what's happened. So in the first act, Robin listens to the Blue album, really yeah. loves it, goes online, joins the Weezer message boards. Exactly. He talks to Carl. <laughs> that's it. That's, yeah. That's pretty Chapter two, the final days of Batgirl. Yeah. So Robin, assassination attempt, and there's some old man trying to get the hit on Batgirl. And he's hanging out in a gas, gas station bathroom. Yeah. Well, you know, where else are you going to? I, I hang out. I'm in a gas station bathroom right now. That's where I record this. Well, it's good, acoustics, good acoustics. Good acoustics. Chapter two, the final days of Batgirl. Um, Washington, D.C., 2 a.m., a deserted underground parking garage. All the bad stuff in D.C. happens in uh, yeah. an underground parking garage. The perfect spot for a secret rendezvous, as a certain Washington Post reporter can tell you. Is Barbara Gordon a no? She's a congresswoman. She, she right, right. She is the Hillary Clinton of the. Well, she is breaking Woodward and Bernstein. That's what she's here to stop. <laughs> she's in the Nixon cabinet. <laughs> we see a guy kind of hanging out uh, in, in this deserted parking lot. Batgirl's got her. Bat- what, what do you think Barbara's uh, alternate email address would be? <laughs> Ratitude six nine at hotmail dot com. <laughs> I'm not Batgirl four sixty nine at. Um, yeah, we see Batgirl in the shadows with her with her motorcycle. She's saying, "I feel like a yeah. heroine in some old movie." No, I thought it was, she was. Let's say I I feel like having. Some I feel like having some. I do after reading this thing. Alone in a den of danger, but there's a information leak in this committee. I chair, and this is her only lead. Someone gave her a tip that uh, a drop, an information drop, would happen here. Just since she sees a car come down. Uh, the entrance of the underground parking garage. She goes, "Oh, that must be the dropper." They kind of just zoom around and leave. She goes, well, "I got the guy jumps in the car really quick without right. it ever stopping." Right. Yeah, it's hard to. I didn't actually pick up on that. <laughs> I, that's that is what happened. That makes sense. How does that? How can a guy do that though? It's, it's skill. Yeah. So Barbara Gordon gives chase in the in her motorcycle. She's following him up the exit ramp. Just then they turn around to get the jump on her. From the back, they like went out the exit and back in the entrance really fast. And she's like, "Oh no, they're catching up on her!" And they they hit her with the car. She goes flying, but does this really impressive uh, uh, unharmed. loop. Yeah. And she says, "I hate contact sports." She's not a fan of basketball, football. Well, that's the um, she hates football. That's the um, the um, beat that she's on that she's heading up. Is uh, it's about concussions. Yes, and, yes and that's right. Football. That's what this drop was about. She does a loop. The <laughs> actually, it's about Peyton Manning and HGA. <laughs> that's right. His head's getting too big. Um, she says, "I'm still in one piece," which is more than kind of I can say for my bat cycle. Just then, the car it's zooming towards is going to kill her. She jumps on top, and someone says, "What's this crazy broad up to?" She leaps up, kind of goes around the passenger side, punches the guy in the face. They're trying to get away. She slaps the driver, grabs the wheel, crashing it into a in a wall. I assume killing instantly both. Kill, instantly killing both. And, and at this point, I'm thinking she doesn't. This this guy could just be picking up his friend and get spooked yeah. by some vigilante. 
Exactly. Um, and then she looks and says, just as I expected, the driver's a maze agent. I don't know how she knew I think that. she just made, yeah, she's yeah. just trying, she's just telling herself that. The cops but... come, the, they show up, she says, I stood my ground. <laughs> uh, and she says, book them, uh, attempted murder, espionage, and littering. Because uh, she threw a candy wrapper on the ground earlier. She wants to She's blaming it on get him for that. This is Making a Murderer, season two. <laughs> no backer, yeah. Um, uh, before uh, Becker arrives at police headquarters, word of her escape gets back to the old man. We see him back in the gas station. What What is the gas station attendant thinking? This old guy keeps coming, yelling into the... I guess he does. He thinks he doesn't have his own bathroom. But this must happen all the time because this is how you communicate with this secret organization. Maze. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, Maze bungled again. I paid plenty for two hits and got two errors. He's a big baseball fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, the secret guy on the other end says, uh, we never give up on a contract. And uh, the old man says, listen, for when I paint, you get one more chance. And only if I call the shots, the other guy says, agreed, and I'll be there personally to supervise it. What are they going to do? How does this end in a wedding? That's what I, yeah, I don't know. Fine. Chapter 2 was a lot, a lot shorter than Chapter 1. Yes, it was. It was action-packed. It was. I'm, I'm standing up again. I was sitting down. Well, yes, I stood so. up throughout that. Right, yeah. So, moving on, we talked about music. We gave our music recommendations. Um, yeah. Our favorite... Uh, now we're going to talk about our favorite TV of 2015. What's your favorite? Do you have any hot TV tips for our listeners out there? And, uh, and I think the way that TV is now, you can Netflix counts as TV, of course. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. The, what we're doing, this is television. Well, Podcast in a way, yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> um, let me see. I I liked uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I did. Oh I right. Yeah, I, I don't watch a lot of television, to be honest with you. Uh, I liked Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. I liked the Daredevil show, which kind of surprised me. I haven't, I haven't watched that. I haven't watched it. I need uh, to watch it. You know, I don't so like... So two Netflix hits right there. Yeah, because yeah. I don't like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and yet I like that. Unbreak... Well, third, net, net, third Netflix hit, I liked With Bob and David a, a lot. Oh, okay, yeah. It's not as good as Mr. Show, but it's still pretty damn right. funny. And, uh... And, uh... I do like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's on Fox. I, I, the only one of those I've watched is uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which I enjoyed a lot. Yeah. I like Binge Brooklyn Nine-Nine because it reminds me of like an older show from the 70s. Okay. I, I've like heard good work, things about it. Yeah. It's like workplace related. Yeah. Like, you know, they're always in the station and things yeah. like that. Uh, like Unbreakable Fox. Kimmy Schmidt, uh, is it produced or written by Tina Fey or both? Well, she's one of the producers and she co-created it. Yeah. And I know she wrote some and she's, she's, she's starred in the... Uh, or started, in some, fe featured yeah, in a few episodes. Yeah. Um, I, I I do love that show. I forgot it, forgot that came out this year. The the one thing I, I have to say about this the way that streaming or Netflix in particular releases TV I don't like as much. Yeah. Um, which is kind of the dumping a season all at once. Yeah, yeah, words. Uh, this year, uh, one show I like a lot that uh, season three came out was or in 2015 was House of Cards. Season three for me was mm -hmm. was not. Not as good. I don't know if you watch the first two seasons. Um, nope. Season three is not so good. Um, but I wish it. I think for me, I would have enjoyed it more if it was one per week, like a drips of the show. Because yeah. um, watching them all at once, I kind of get burnt out pretty quickly on it. Yeah. Uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt was uh, better for me because it's shorter. 
and uh, oh, definitely, yeah. comedies were a little bit better. For me, my two TV picks are both HBO shows, and both oh, the second seasons of two shows that I really enjoyed. Um, maybe Dream on, right? <laughs> maybe my two favorite uh, shows currently on television. Uh, the first one is a comedy by Mike Judge called Silicon Valley, which uh, yeah, I've heard a few things about listen, that. Or right. watch any of it. Uh, season one was maybe I think eight episodes. I think season two might also be eight episodes. Maybe. Oh, I thought season two was five hundred episodes. <laughs> it's uh, uh about these guys with a uh, who are doing a startup in in uh, Silicon Valley and um what what it's like for them. And for me, like I did a, my bachelor's degree in a technical computer related uh field, so um I I think I like the show more because it. I, I it, for whatever reason I've read the show being compared to um the Big Bang Theory which I I really don't like the Big Bang Theory. I think that the show is a lot smarter and I'm sure it is. The Big Bang Theory is like caricatures of people but um uh Silicon Valley is like a it's also played up a little bit but I think it's it really gets it right and it's um, a lot of the situations that they're in and things that they do are uh, pretty, pretty funny. I, that's right. maybe my favorite show out right now. I'm really excited for season three. The other show, which we weren't sure we were going to get a season three, they have renewed it for a third and final season, is uh, The Leftovers, which I don't think yeah. you've seen either season. No. Uh, Leftovers season two was filmed uh, in a town called Lockhart, which is maybe 30 minutes outside of Austin. Um but uh, uh, Leftovers is a show about uh, 2% of the world's population disappears um, inexplicably, just gone. And it's sort of about how people deal with that. And, uh, you know, this has been explored in religion and, and literature before, you know, like the mythologies about the rapture or things like that. Yeah. But what I like about this show is um, – it's not a show about characters trying to figure out why it happened or uh, it's, it's not about like either, either from a scientific or a religious perspective, like why did this happen? Why did this happen? It has that in it, like peppered in, I think in the right amount. It's, it's a show about like, how would people, how do people deal with loss in general? And, uh, and especially, unexplained loss and i think that it handles it very well and season two i thought um a lot of people didn't like it because it it introduced a lot of new characters in a totally new setting and it really the tone of the show changed um but i think but it didn't did it become stuff. didn't it become like a slapstick comedy <laughs> it did yeah like? it was all silent uh uh but i thought it was really great television and i was really excited to watch the next episode week after week and um is jennifer aniston ever on no she's not but her who is it uh justin her husband, Thoreau, yeah, who you yeah, know is writing uh, Zool- who wrote zoolander too i didn't know yeah that. i know yeah That's, he also uh he, he wrote, wrote um tropic thunder tropic thunder right yeah. uh he and he's fantastic in this um yeah, but that's I didn't know that he, he does not have a comedic role in Leftovers. Well, when you when you uh, separate him from Ben Stiller when it comes to writing, his writing becomes really bad. Really, because he also wrote Iron Man two and Rock of Ages. Uh yeah, I have not seen either of those. I know that I know that you're not a fan of Iron Man. 2. Iron Man two is like one of the worst movies ever made. It's, 
it, so Justin Thoreau is like Rivers Cuomo, and yeah, as long his, as he's his, with his Matt Sharp. I'm saying Matt Sharp is his yeah. Ben Stiller. Yeah, and Iron Man Two is his Forrest uh, Gump. It's his Ratatouille. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would say check out those shows. If uh, now, are you, you a fan of that Damon Lindelof or however you say his name? Uh, Damon. So that's why I started watching. Love Some people hate him. I know. I know. Because uh, again, this is I. <laughs> I will say Prometheus. Prometheus is ridiculously terrible. I have not seen it, but the, the I maybe the thing he's most well known for is the television show Lost. Which again is like, <laughs> like oh my God, it's like yeah. I don't want to. It it is because um, it's like, like we. It's it's uh, the first season of Lost I think is fantastic. The second season was great. I enjoyed all of Lost. A lot of people really hate it. A lot of people really hate the ending. I didn't like the ending, but to me, the thing I liked the most about Lost is listening to people's reactions to the episodes like in real time and that's why i miss that from netflix shows um like a episode of lost they had a lot of mystery and a lot i people were disappointed because a lot of the stuff they introduced was never explained but to me it's like i never really cared if it was explained or not i just enjoyed the community around lost you know yeah and uh that's actually the first podcast i ever downloaded and listened to was a podcast about was an episode of lost (laughs) lost was it um, but Leftovers, I think, probably now, has sure the same Damian problems. Now, you Lindelof but... isn't most famous for being a writer on Nash Bridges? No, so, sorry, yes, but Nash Don Bridges, Johnson. I was, I meant to say Nash Bridges. It was a lot of mysteries, a lot of things came up. People, <laughs> yeah, the first no, podcast what? I listened to was a Nash Bridges podcast. Um, well, well, Nash Bridges had that spinoff with Sam O'Hung, uh, what was that show called? Hung Jury or something? Was it with Sam Hung and Arsenio Hall? Martial Law. Hung Jury then, was the uh, was in Arrested Development. Yeah, no. Um, well, Sam Ho, Sam Hung was the you know. Is that the same guy? The oh, I yeah, Sam Hung. He was a he's a martial arts guy. Samuel Hung. Are we talking about the same guy? No, he I'm talking it? about Sam. I'm talking about Sam Hung. Oh, okay. I'm talking about William Hung. <laughs> Right, I know. Oh, okay, okay. I was confused. For, I was like, he may Sam be Hung, Sam Hung is a Hong Kong actor, martial artist, film producer, film director who worked in uh, martial arts and did a lot of choreogra- martial arts choreography. Oh, okay. He had, a, he had a show that was a spinoff of Nash Bridges, and it was called Martial Law. Oh, oh, right, right, yeah. Okay, I've heard of that show. That's... And another spinoff of Nash Bridges that didn't happen was supposed to be they did like some episodes with this guy playing the character and the idea was that it was going to be a show called jack cage but it didn't happen was stone cold steve austin oh my god cbs one hour drama yeah (laughs) that's what i mean i'm looking at the snatch bridges stuff the guest stars other than like stone cold steve austin and stuff kathy lee gifford star carl malone (laughs) star yep Tommy Chong, that makes sense because Peach Marin was on it. Okay. RuPa- RuPaul. Yep. Bill Rafferty. Yep. Barry Bonds. Yep. Clarence Clemens, the saxophone player from the E Street Band. <laughs> yep. What? Yep. Willie Nelson. <clears throat> the saxophone player from the E Street Band, Willie right. Nelson. Yep. Playboy Playmate Shannon Tweed. Penny Marshall. <laughs> Don DeVello, who was father Guido Cerducci on Saturday Night Live. Porn star Ron Jeremy. 
<laughs> the Cassandra, Pe- play. <laughs> Cassandra Peterson, who's Elvira. Polly Shore. Another porn <laughs> another po- porn star two more porn stars, Jenna Jameson and, and Tracy Lord. Polly Shore is also a porn star. Right, well yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Kel Mitchell from Keenan and Kel. <laughs> Why not Kel? Oh Kel. Keenan is the more famous <laughs> one now. Yeah. Sammy Hagar. <laughs> from Keenan and Kel. Right, right. But you know what's most bizarre? Hunter S. Thompson, the journalist. <laughs> That's amazing. Those that that list of guest stars. It makes me want to watch Nash Bridges. I yeah. Is it on Netflix? I don't know. That's a show I'm happy to binge watch if those are the Oh, I would watch that in a heartbeat. Yeah. I didn't realize Yasmin Bleef was regular on the show for two years. But but the the thing you didn't mention, all of those guest stars, that's one episode. One episode right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the one where Steve Austin plays Jake <laughs> Jake Cage and uh Oh everybody. man. Oh man, I love that list. It got better and better. I thought it, it couldn't be get get better after the mailman, Carl Malone. <laughs> Did he play what? a mailman? I hope so. Wasn't he on Lost? Yeah, he was. He, he, that that was the ending. They revealed he was the island. It was the top of his head. <laughs> they were just play, They were just living on Carl Malone. Yeah. I thought back. the last episode is he woke up. And, he wo- uh, like, someone came and go, hey, hey, mailman, wake up, wake up. No, and he I'm woke up, and it was, it was Michael Jordan waking play, him up. He was at the... He's like, you got... at the NBA Finals. It's like, oh, no! Um... I would have, I would have been re- that. Maybe that's, that's why, how the leftovers were. In, will that's end. why Bill Rafferty is uh, is on it. Um, <laughs> I thought it was uh, if Lost takes place after he was traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> that's uh, Lost was just series of games of him playing the Lakers with the Lakers. Oh man, what a year! What a year! What Nash okay. Bridges show of 2015. No doubt. Album of 2015, I think we've decided is Ratitude. Yeah. Second early. Uh, after I've got, I've, got, I've got a question: Is Carl Malone one of the leftovers? I, you gotta watch and find out. Or or is he on Silicon Valley? Is he one? Of... I I can he be on both? Yeah, this is a crossover. Crossover. <laughs> Carl Malone, he's a big fan of this show. Oh, definitely. Kind of like my uh, making a murder full Fuller House crossover idea. <laughs> I love that. Michelle is the murderer after all. Or wait, yeah. was it Carl Malone? No, yeah, the idea, the best idea is Larry David plays the character it's Michelle. Michelle's getting angry! Michelle's getting upset! No, no, you got it, dude! That's my Larry David. <laughs> uh, oh, God, I would love that. I want to hear Larry David say, have mercy. <laughs> Larry David as Uncle Jesse. Well, he plays all the characters, except for Kimmy Gibbler. <laughs> Kimmy Gibbler's played by Kramer? Yep. All right, you're ready to move on. Chapter 3, and after Chapter Fuller 3... Fuller House, I just have to say it. Oh, Fuller House. Yeah. Oh, TV show. That's TV show 2016, though. Yeah. Fuller House might also win... Um, Best album. Best <laughs> Music by Hurley. Where did they dig up Kimmy Gibbler from to be on this goddamn show? Nash Bridges. No, I'm being serious, you know? What was she, what do you mean, what was she doing before they called her up and said, you want to be on Full House? Yeah. She has a master's degree in women's studies from the University of York in England. And she, she was assistant to the director of Whittier College's Office for International Programs. Well, that, you answered your own question. <laughs> so she was working in academia, 
Then someone calls her on the phone and wants to say, hey, do you want to be Kimmy Gimbler again? And she's <laughs> and like, you bet your away. ass I do. She, she quit. threw it all away. Uh, wouldn't you? I don't know. Andy, do you want to be Kimmy Gimbler? And Jody Sweden, she was uh, like a crystal meth addict. <laughs> Who's Jody Sweden? Yeah, she's um the, Stephanie. The other, Stephanie. Oh, Stephanie. oh, I thought I I thought that was just some person you knew, and it was a <laughs> no, 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 no. Nonsense. She was, she was, Josh uh, like, Treadway's a crystal. She meth was addicted addict. to crystal meth um, for a while, and I also know that she's got a she got a boob job at some point. Well, uh, the entire cast of Fuller House has so, including Danny. Boyer, <laughs> cut it out. That's what he said. He said, cut it out and make it. Insert them plants. <laughs> you got it, dude. That's what the doctor said. It was Larry David. <laughs> like, pretty, pretty. Pretty, pretty good. All right. Chapter three, <clears throat> murderous matrimony. This is why I, w- I was a little unsure if we should yeah. break up the chapters because people are going to think that we skipped something. I assure you, and I thought we skipped something as I was reading this. I assure you, we skipped nothing. You know how, like, normally stories go from point A to point B? Yeah. This goes from point A to point, like, three. It, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, like, <laughs> a different no album. It yeah, goes point it's... A to, like, some Chinese character that means shotgun. Right, yeah. I mean, it makes no sense. It they never explain how this happened. They, th- there is an epilogue. There is an epilogue. But they don't explain in that either. No, they don't. They, it, they they act like they do. This is the ending of Lost, is this yeah. chapter three. Um, we we see... do learn, we do find out who is the head of Maze, and it is Dick Clark. <laughs> it, does, it does look a lot like Dick Clark. Uh, that's that's true. Actually, if you look at this, uh, the lower left, lower right-hand corner also looks like Dick Clark. It looks like the <laughs> same guy. Uh, chapter three, murderous matrimony. We open. There's a stage. They've someone has rented out a big uh, hall, like a big uh, concert hall. Yeah. And uh, we see a bunch of goons sitting in all the chairs. They're saying, uh, "You know, I wouldn't miss it for the keys to Fort Knox. I'm glad I'm invited to this shindig. Too bad Robin's not gonna have a chance to enjoy the honeymoon. What's going on? They're all holding guns." Uh, we see someone opening an invitation. You are cordially invited to attend the wedding of Batgirl and Robin at 4 p.m. in the Ford Theater, Washington D.C. Well, was this they... all like last-minute stuff, or was that's expensive? Or was this, yeah. Or was this plan like over the course of a week? It's we we will never know. A double execution will follow. Uh, we open with the priest saying. No, it doesn't say that Batman and Robin will be executed. I mean, back on Robin. It doesn't. It doesn't, but it's implied. implied. Uh, He says, quiet, please. We're about to begin the ceremony. So show some respect. We see some goons saying, I'd sure like to know how this thing was set up. That's what we're all thinking. Yeah, I know. Uh, This lady says, according to the grapevine, the numero uno of Maze arranged it. And uh, he was supposed to be. But that doesn't explain how it worked, though. He's in the theater today. Yeah, it doesn't explain it at all. And. uh, the minister says, now, if you'll holster your firearms, we'll, we'll begin. And just then we see Robin walk out, and someone says he looks like he's under some kind of trance. He doesn't even know where he is. He's a sitting duck. Then here comes a bride begins to play. Batgirl's walking down, holding some flowers. They're not dressed in the clothes that they were wearing on the no, cover. No, which was a disappointment. Um, some lady says to Batgirl, I, I give, I, what I'd give to plug that witch right now. And then says, John Kerry says, sit tight, baby. It does look like John Kerry. 
If it's Washington D.C., it probably That's is true, John yeah, Kerry. Yeah. Um, and and you see uh, Daredevil sitting in the background. Oh my God! Yeah, he is back there. <laughs> Uh, just in the ceremony begins, dearly beloved, we are gathered here to join these two in fatal matrimony. <laughs> so we know that background Robin weren't drugs. So did they just show up and say we're here? Like they're I, just going through with it? Yep. I and and like people wanted to shoot them like now. Yeah. He says, "Wilt thou, Batgirl, have this man Robin to be thy wedded husband?" Um, as long as you like, this seemed live. awfully easy to set up. Couldn't they have just killed them this easily anywhere? They like the flare. Th- that that aspect of it may it's not a good explanation but it may be explained um he goes wilt that robin had this woman back girl to be thy wedded wife uh he says i will just then all the goons get their guns out they're ready he says wait for it wait for it get ready here it comes and he says i now pronounce you man and wife till death do you part they unload the bullets one says oh we blew them away they're gone and Batgirl says, the only thing you blew away was your chance to stay out of jail. <laughs> they swing down, punch out all the goons. Um, <clears throat> Robin says, no one knows, but I we went through a trap door out of the path of the bullets. It, it looked like they narrowly missed the bullets. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Batgirl it looks like some of the bullets should have hit them. On yeah, the way down. it does. Maybe they did. Batgirl says, what kind of guess are you not a single wedding gift in sight? That's what Batgirl's mad about. Uh, they're punching all the goons. They were going to let him go until they looked at the table and there was no gifts. <laughs> Robin says to a group of goons, I know you're supposed to throw rice at the groom, but this groom prefers pepper to pepper the guests. He like sprays pepper in their eyes. Yeah, I guess oh, he had like a crazy. pepper shaker with him. Just then Robin grabs Batgirl and he, she says, here comes your br- blushing bride. She's punching and kicking. I like that panel. Robin's walking her down the aisle and she's punching and kicking everyone along her way. And he says, allow me to carry you across the threshold. So I'm assuming once they're done beating them off, they're going to do it. And... Yeah, they have to consummate the relationship. So <laughs> In front of all these downed villains. <laughs> Outs- <laughs> That's what they did. Uh, so three minutes later, outside the Ford Theater, um, the police show up. They go, quite a performance you two put on. But who are all these characters? They have no idea. They they were not involved in this. They actually thought they got married at the Ford Theater. <laughs> Uh, Robin says it's it's uh, everyone from the crime organization called Maze, including the headman, the minister. He the minister says I object. I think it was just a guy they hired for the minister. I do too. Yeah. He goes, uh, I'm going to sue you for wrongful. He says arrest. I'm the world's oldest teenager. <laughs> um, Robin says uh, the trouble is none of Maze's underlings knew this guy by sight, so he'll probably get off. So their whole plan was pointless. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then. Batgirl says, come on, husband, let's go back to my place and I'll whip up something to eat. Oh, my God. Robin says, sounds good. That's the end of the story. We do get. He a... says he worked up a big appetite. Oh, my God. We do see what happens in the epilogue. Batgirl is sitting uh, unmasked at her apartment, I guess, explaining. I guess you're wondering how this happened. Uh, basically, Robin comes out. He's wearing the old man mask, which I think Batgirl is into. She says he is quite attractive. See, I didn't think that's what it is. I think what this is is there. It's the future. It could be. I like that better. It's <laughs> more. So apparently, Robin was the old guy who was requesting these hits, and he set it all up. And at the end, he said, "I'll give you one more chance, but I have to plan it." And so maybe his plan was like, "I want to have this wedding thing," which was okay. all Robin's idea. Maybe it's Robin's yeah, okay. sick fantasy because now they're legally married. Yeah, they're married now. Yeah. Um. So at the very end, Batgirl says, "You know, Robin, you're quite attractive as an older man because he's in the older man mask or makeup, and he's I also why he wearing put it back on. Robin costume." I 
because she likes it. He goes, maybe I'll keep this disguise on for a while. You know, so he's he's a college student at the beginning. It says on his little logo, it says Robin the Teen Wonder. Yeah. He's a congresswoman. So do you think they're like some sort of congressional hearing about yes. Congresswoman Barbara Gordon? and She's getting impeached is yeah. what's happening. Young, young college boys. That's right. That she keeps around dressed as old men in their underpants. <laughs> so that was it. Uh, Batman family number eleven. Yeah, a good way to start off the new year. I hope everyone had a good twenty fifteen. It felt it felt like a family. We had a good twenty fifteen. We had they might be giants. Um, Wild Onion. Uh, the leftovers. Ratitude. Ratitude, and now we get to movies. We saved it for last because I think there were some pretty standout movies this year. Um, yeah. The biggest movie now, the number one box office movie in North America of all time. Um, Star Wars: The Force Awakens came out. Yeah. Um, I have seen it twice, and I'm going to see it one more time at least. Okay. I've, seen uh, it, I've seen it four times. Four times, okay. Um, so neither one of us liked it. No, I hated it. It's terrible. I I liked it a lot. We we can talk yeah, about yeah. that one later. But what were some of your other favorite movies of 2015? And maybe well, some right now, some ones that you didn't like as much. Well, I'm looking at a at a list of movies now. Um, did you see Ex Machina? Uh, I didn't, but I really wanted to. Did you see it? I like, I liked it. I didn't love it. I think it's a little overrated, but it okay. is good. Yeah, that's I that's what suggest, I've heard about it. I do suggest you see it. It is overrated. Though. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so let me take a look at some of the other ones that we have uh, that have been released. Well, I guess I should mention because one I already know is Mad Max Fury Road. Yep. I that uh, that, that was I was gonna list that as one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, to me, it was a surprise. I I have seen the other Mad Max movies, but it's been a long time, so I wasn't sure going in. I really like Tom Hardy. Yeah. And, uh, um, but I loved that movie. I thought it was yeah. very, very good and very surprising for me. I might even like it more than Force Awakens. I'll have to see it again, but uh, one of my favorites. Yep, definitely. Well, The Road Warrior, Mad Max 2, is one of my all-time favorites. Okay. I was pretty excited about this one, and but I was at the same time I was nervous, like, oh, I hope that they don't screw it up. Yeah. But George Miller didn't. Doctor George Miller did not. Because you know that he's a medical doctor. I didn't know that. Oh yes, I did know that. I did know that. I think it's like one of the cool things about him. Yeah, I did. That's cool. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> very good. Okay. Uh, let's see what else. Furious Seven. I didn't see it. <laughs> I know. I didn't see it either. I've never. I've only seen like one or two of the Fast and Furious movies, and I'm not really into cars. Yeah, uh, I feel like the movies apparently have gotten so far away from cars at this point that yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Uh, Jurassic World sucked. Yep, okay. I was gonna say maybe uh, one of I know that you're not as big a fan of the original Jurassic World. No. I I do like it. I don't. I thought it, or the original Jurassic Park. Um, I think it's a I enjoyable movie. I did I did not think Jurassic World was an enjoyable movie. I thought it was, yeah, it was dull big. and pretty. For what it should have been, pretty boring. So, did, uh, did you see um, Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation? Uh no, I didn't. What did you think? Did you see? I it? liked it. Yeah, I liked. I, it. I didn't it like good. it as much as Ghost Patrol. Yeah, Ghost Patrol but, was um, good. I, I liked but it was still. I thought it was still very good. I heard that still was very, good. Um, did you see Spectre? That sucked. I didn't. I've heard. Yep, heard the same thing. <laughs> yeah, um, not good. Another movie, uh, uh, Netflix movie, uh, Beasts of No Nation. Did I haven't watched. Okay. I haven't watched that yet. I I, I enjoyed that. I. It's a, it's a, it was good. Yeah, I want to see it. I, I, I think you, you, yeah. What? Yeah. Did you, uh, did you see Spotlight? No, I didn't. 
It was okay. I mean, it's typical kind of Oscar bait kind of film. It was fine. It wasn't bad, but it was it was what it was kind of thing. Um, I'm looking at the top highest grossing films of 2015. Uh, we've mentioned most of them. Avengers: Age of Ultron. I did not see. I did. did I usually that. don't like this. Um, The Martian was on there. I didn't see it. I read I, the book and I yeah, you really like the hated the book. I wanted to point that least favorite book of 2015. A lot of people really liked it. I do not understand that. But, uh, um, you know, mm. whatever. People people like different things, I guess. Well, right, right. well yeah. yeah. Uh, I did see, uh, kind of spitballing some stuff. I saw Big Short, which I enjoyed. Right, I've heard uh, that's good, too. Uh, I saw Hateful Eight, which I liked, which is kind of got divisive reviews. You either seem oh, to really like it. Oh, is that right? Like, okay. I either seem to really like it or hate it. Okay. I really liked it. Um, what else? I saw Trumbo, which was just... I know you love Brian Cranston, and he was fine, but uh, it was just kind of typical Oscar-y uh, thing. Uh, did did uh, Whiplash come out in 2015? That was last year. Oh, okay. I like. Well, that. I guess now 2015 is last yeah, year, but yeah. Okay, that I I enjoyed that a lot, and I went in have I had no idea what that movie was about when I saw it. You um, thought it was going to be about bongo players. I did. I mean, you for had no all I knew, about guys that played drum, for you know, the full drum set. I did not know it was even about drums at all. And I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I had, no, I, I had no idea what it was about. And like, so I was very surprised by it and I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, did you see Inside Out? I didn't see it, but no. Uh, I'm not as big a Pixar fan as you are. I'm not a big Pixar fan either. I have actually haven't seen a lot of Pixar movies really. recently, but uh, I did like Wally a lot and I liked. Uh, oh, yeah, I like Wally. Um, uh, there was a point where I would try to see it, every, the, the Pixar movie, every year, but I've s- since not done that. But I think the last one of theirs I saw was Toy Story Three, That's... unless Up was after there. No, that. I think that was bef- Up was before. I think actually I might be in the same. Yeah. Um, we saw I Toy think... Story Three together. Did we? Yeah, in Columbus. Oh, we did. You're right. On um, that was I think on New Year's Day, wasn't it? I think that was we saw that, and then we saw Tron Legacy. Yes, that was right. That's right. That's exactly. That was right. a very Disney day. Yeah. What a good it was a good time up in Columbus, yeah. Ohio. And I think we ate at Thurman's for lunch. Didn't oh we? man, what a what a day that was. That's a way to kick like it's off. It's a very Disney day. That's a way to kick Disney's off. Disney's Um uh, let's see. Minions, one of the highest grossing movies. <laughs> so a lot of the movies on this list highest grossing of all time. It's twenty fifteen. It was a big blockbuster year for movies. It was a big blockbuster year. Um, yeah. I think we've mentioned most of them. Oh, another one I saw that I I enjoyed it, but I it has problems. Was uh, uh, Bridge of Spies? Yeah, I saw that. That was, that was good. I thought it was good. It was a little at at points. It felt like too sort of pro, um, pro American. That which you know, it sounds sounds like a weird thing to say, but it it felt like very black and white at times. But then at times, it felt like more of a there were gray areas in reality. Yeah, that's like, what I thought was just... kind of interesting about yeah. it is that um, definitely life in uh, East Germany was not good. Yeah. But um, they did pretty much come out and say that the U.S. government did not care about the student that was trapped over there. Yeah. At all. And they also pretty much didn't care about the spy, the U.S. spy that was imprisoned over there. Yeah. They just wanted to get him before he said anything what any yeah. secrets like if they killed if like the the soviets would have killed him they wouldn't have cared yeah i thought that i i liked that a lot but i felt which like, is probably very true to life 
Yeah, <laughs> I felt like Tom Hanks' character was a little too. Uh, what I mean by saying like they it was a little pro American. Tom Hanks' character was a little bit too like, no, this is what we should do. This is America. This is our value. Like he was a little bit too of a. I don't what know I thought was interesting it. was that he was the the ideal representation of American ideas, whereas yeah. What, the reality isn't that. Yeah. Because you had the cops that were mad at him for being yeah, that's true. for I did like the communists. You had the government basically, like I said, did not care about the Americans that were imprisoned yeah. by the um, Soviets. They just yeah. wanted them back. They just wanted the one back before he revealed any secrets, yeah. and the other one they didn't care about at all because he was just a regular person that was trapped over yeah. there. I enjoyed that movie. Um, I think it's... Uh... Uh, the dialogue was very sharp, and I think you you told me that the Coen brothers were. Yeah, and I think you can yeah. tell that the Coen yeah, brothers definitely. That I think you can tell that Spielberg respected that because there was there was a lot more humor. Yeah, like especially like deadpan Coen's esque humor, and especially now I think Tom Hanks is a better comedic actor than dramatic actor. Yeah, and I thought he was very funny in the movie. Yeah, it, but I think it worked. I I, I did yeah. enjoy it. Um, another movie. Um. We, we'll talk about Star Wars next, but another movie I wanted to point out that I, I really enjoyed, but I... Was uh, The Wedding Ringer with Josh Gad and Kevin Hart? <laughs> yes, exactly. Was uh, Steve Jobs. Okay, I didn't I, see that one. I know a lot of people... I, I apparently did not do very well in the box. Almost like no at one's all. Involved. Yeah. Um, I liked it a lot. It was not what I was expecting. And so I had read the Steve Jobs biography. I sort of know a lot about the history of... Um, and I believe Jobs it's pronounced himself. Steve. I think it's pronounced Steve Jorbs. Jorbs, yeah, Steve Jorbs. Stove Coach, Jorbs. Coach Z. Coach Z. <laughs> Homestar Runner reference, 2016. <laughs> um, so, uh, I thought it was a, it's a very dialogue heavy movie, right? So it was written by um, Aaron, Aaron Sorkin, Sorkin, which Who, creator of Homestar Runner. Yes, exactly. So there was a lot of that in it. Um, a very dialogue heavy movie, but. And I don't know if you know about how it was shot, basically. I, 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 what I liked about it is what they could have done was just go through the life of Steve Jobs, and they did not do that. They sort of picked three moments. and Yeah, and they used different – As a framing device? Yeah. They used 16-millimeter, 35-millimeter. Oh, I didn't know that. Kind of, yeah, that's kind of a common thing. So oh, I didn't know that. I thought that – it definitely felt like the mu- mu- both musically and the way it was shot – and I guess also the film, like those three eras felt very different. Um, They didn't, so Steve Jobs, not, especially in his early life, not a really nice human, not a really nice guy by all accounts. Um, And I think they showed that, uh, that came across in the movie uh, for sure. But there were also, he was, I I don't know if you're going to see it. This is somewhat of a spoiler. Um, uh, This isn't really a, spoiler but uh a little bit he dies at the end yeah he dies at the end <laughs> no uh he's he's redeemed in the end and i think in a little bit too much of a sentimental way mm-hmm. but um it's it was a it's a interesting movie and i liked it a lot i thought fassbender uh and we had talked about this like i think that michael fassbender is too good looking to play steve jobs but i thought yeah, he, yeah. it i thought it worked i thought he did a good job uh, he's a great actor and uh, really. Isn't Kate Winslet too good looking to play her role as well? Isn't that uh, person? I've seen I've seen pictures of Joanna the, the, Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. I think th- this to me was like the most that I can. Isn't Steve Wozniak too good looking to have Seth Rogen play? Uh, yeah. That, that's you know that's not that far off base. I think some of the movie was a little bit like the, the character. The dialogue was like a little 
preachy, I guess, especially some of Steve Wozniak's Well, again, but... that's like a little, that's Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, and, yeah. You know? So, and I, I like Aaron Sorkin. He wrote um, Social Network, which is one of my favorite movies. And uh, yeah, I, so I wanted to shout out to Steve Jobs, but um, maybe think... our, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. What were you saying? I was going to just move on to our favorite movie of the year. Oh, okay. Well, I think the um, the problem with Steve or, Jobs, yeah, with uh, um, how it did so poorly yeah. in the box office, is that the the cult of Steve Jobs is nowhere nearly as big as I think people thought it was. Um, or I was I th- yeah, I was gonna say it's definitely subsided. Heavily. I think I think this kind of trying to make Steve Jobs into a modern like Edison isn't. A real thing for most people but i don't think that's what this movie was well no i yeah. don't either but that's why the movie was definitely great. oh sure yeah and that's like all oh, people people love steve jobs you know i mean there have been three steve jobs movies in the past like two years yeah there's there was just capitalizing the one, on the yeah there was the one with ashton kutcher there was this one and there was that documentary right i've not none seen of them, either none of them did well. none of them did well Ashton Kutcher I, does look he has the look he, though. He, does yeah. Look, yeah. He, he looks a lot like but none of them did well and i think that's the thing is that I do not believe that the cult of Steve Jobs that everyone thought was so immense is nearly as immense as they think. Well, I think it's uh, a small group of people. <clears throat> yeah. And I think the other problem is that you have the people that care about Steve Jobs, either one, love Steve Jobs, or two, hate Steve Jobs. Yeah. And this movie, like you were kind of throwing out there, doesn't appeal or appease either one of them. Yeah, one, I, yeah. the people that love Steve Jobs, it's too negative. Yeah. For the people that hate Steve Jobs, they don't like that he's redeemed in the end. I, I, I also think that um, – I, I agree with you there, and, and I think that another thing that maybe people didn't like is – so I saw it with, some, with a group of people, and some didn't know that much about the history of Steve Jobs or of uh, Next Computer or Apple Computer. If you didn't know any of that, like if you hadn't read the biography or watched um, Pirates of Silicon Valley, which is very good yeah. – movie yeah, um, i think this movie is confusing a lot of like you know people were saying what was going i had i did they, they didn't really know what was going on and yeah, they're like what's a computer yeah what's well like mostly they know apple like from iphones yeah. and they didn't right. don't know the history of um steve jobs leaving the company that is explained but in kind of flashbacks and all it's it's done in a different way and i think for a lot of people that wouldn't work the movie wasn't really heavy on information which i thought was well good. that's what i mean when i say Ex- the yeah. cult of steve yeah. jobs isn't nearly what they yeah, thought it was. i think most right. people know nothing about him other than he's the guy that wore the black turtleneck and introduced the oh iPod. absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. all right so the the movie we've been waiting to talk about um released october 23rd jim and the holograms by universal studios right director john chu what did you think Oh my god! Uh, what a hit! I think this movie made even less money than Steve Jobs. <laughs> it made much less money. It had a much smaller budget. Um, I'm looking at it now. It had a five million dollar budget. And it made two million. I can't believe I like the gal that plays Jim though, Aubrey Peoples. Yeah, is pretty cute, and she's on that Nashville TV show. I've seen her on that. She's on the uh, Nash Bridges. Yeah, she's on Nash Bridges. <laughs> she. With Carl Malone. Carl Malone. Carl Malone, Malone, Malone played Jim. Jim. Yeah, he should have been Jim. I am. They. Well, Jim and the Holograms, I felt, was bungled so poorly. I. I. Like. I know. 
I know people who are aware of Jim and the Holograms from like the 80s who had no yeah. idea that this movie exists. I think they well, somehow... I think the other problem is, again, like I was saying about the cult of Steve yes. Jobs, I think the cult of thinking every property from the 80s is known yeah. uh-huh. is uh-huh. a complete it's, fallacy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying there are no Jim and the Hologram fans because that's not true. But Jim and the Holograms compared to, say, like, Transformers or, like, G.I. Joe, it's just, it's not even the same, at, not in the same level. And I'm not just saying it's Jim and the Holograms. They made, like, a GoBots movie. Yeah, It yeah. would pop hard because it's the same thing. I mean, just because there was a mildly popular franchise from the 80s, or property more than franchise, doesn't mean it's going, that it was hugely popular. I also think most, trans- of, most of them aren't. Yeah, you're right. I, I think Transformers lends itself to a movie um, in a way that maybe Jim and the Holograms doesn't. Like, you could... Well, Transformers other, weren't good movies, but... No, I only saw the first one, and it wasn't... It, was, it did I not make me want to see the other so ones. so bad. Oh, man. Or the but third Jim and the, one I saw. Yeah. I do know in the movie of Jim and the Holograms, it doesn't follow the actual animated series of Jim and the Holograms, like, at all. Yeah. Like, it almost could have been called anything. And so the small fan base of Jim and the Holograms won't go see the movie because it's not... Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not authentic to Jim and the Holograms. So the one audience that you do have, the meager audience that you do have, already is against the movie. Yeah. It's kind of like Goosebumps. Like, the Goosebumps movie did okay. Yeah. That also came out in October. It did all right. But again, just because it was a property in the 90s that had some fans doesn't mean that it has a ton of fans where people are like oh Go- i love goosebumps yeah that's a good because i really liked goosebumps when they were like producing the books still i, yeah. I really liked them i did not see the goosebumps movie yeah. hasbro like, hasbro is producing these feature links or it's some partner production yeah, with like it. universal i think for jim the holograms um, they're responsible for battleship they made a movie called ouija they made jim and the holograms they're doing a my Little Pony movie. My Little Pony has a sizable audience and a new audience, too. That's the other thing. That's going to work. But I think little, My Little Pony could work is that there's a lot of little kids now that like My Little Pony because of the animated series. Yeah. Like, they introduced it to a new audience the right way. There's a lot of bronies, you mean. A lot of, yeah, well, of middle-aged people. Yeah. yeah, that too. Um, but, um, <clears throat> like, if they made, like, a Montgomery Moose and the Get Along Gang movie, all that was popular, sim- kind of popular in the 80s. Let's do it. That would I flop would, hard. Uh, no, knows what that I is. would watch. I would, I would be responsible for $2 million in ticket sales. So. <laughs> the Get Along Gang? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A, li- a live action. Skates. Only if it's live action. They were always on roller skates. <laughs> all right. So. Like a Snorkels? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like. Just because it was semi-popular yeah. no, 30 don't. years ago doesn't mean that there's enough of an audience to make the movie. And if you are going to do it anyway, well, appease the audience that's there. Yeah, at least be true. Yeah. I, I think it's sort of the nostalgia can't carry a movie by itself. No. Or an album by itself. In the, I mean, I, I, we go, I'm joking a little bit, but it's sort of true. Like, I would guess a lot of Weezer's listens or record sales are based on nostalgia, based on, but yeah. like they have to sort of do what people like them for, and maybe they can't, you know. But um, all right, uh, the movie we haven't talked about, The Force Awakens. <clears throat> I think it was my favorite movie of the year. Um, there's a few others I had to rewatch, but Force of 
the Force Awakens, I really, really liked. And I, I guess did. you liked it too. You saw it four yes. times. What did, um, so what did you think of it? Uh, well, I liked everything about it, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. I loved, I loved the five new characters. Okay, so... They all well, work really well. Five. Do you count... There's BB-8, okay. Kylo Ren, yes. Podameron, Ray, and Finn. I thought John Bergoya, right. I think that's how you say his name, who played Finn, had like great chemistry yeah, with he was awesome. everybody. He was great, yeah. And um, uh, I really liked the the budding relationship with Ray and Finn yeah. when they had chemistry together, like I already said. But I, I also thought, liked, I thought you were gonna say Poe and Finn. Well, I mean, yeah. But I also liked that the most romantic thing between them was just a hug. Yeah, I like that. Felt in, so I like the right innocence for, yeah. of Star Wars. I like I like that. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, I like the, the cinematic a- aspect of the film. Um, I thought J.J. Abrams did a really good job with the visual element in making it appear, everything appear large, big. Like, yeah. this is all a big deal. Like, in the opening scene when uh, Kylo Ren's ship is coming on to Jack Hill. Yeah. How he pulls back. He has, like, we're in on the action. And then as the ship's coming in, he cuts to a, a, a much wider, wider shot that, you know, he's pulled very far back. So we get the enormity of Kylo Ren's yeah. ship as it's coming in. I thought that was great. And a lot of movies don't do that anymore. Zach and I, Zach, who does Film Jive with, with me, it's another yeah. podcast, uh, we talk about that. A lot of uh, modern action movies really aren't cinematic like they once were. They don't show the enormity of everything. Yeah. Everything's so closed in. And uh, this didn't do that. It did a lot of pulling back to show you how big everything was and kind of giving you this grand scope, which I really enjoyed. Um, I thought one of the things that I thought was cool was with the uh, the Kylo Ren character was um, every time he doesn't wear the mask, his like his confidence goes away. Right. Yeah. And he becomes uh, his skills almost completely deteriorate. Yeah, he becomes a vulnerable character. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I and liked the, I liked his character a lot. I I, I was, did too. I was a little skeptical, like is this you know Darth Vader clone kind of guy, but I think the way that they made him actually be just just that he was trying to yeah. emulate darth vader yeah he was and trying he, yeah to him. And, and, um, and, and in kind of like a um a homemade way the way they made his lightsaber look and his mask look and his whole thing i thought really worked yeah um i did too there's like a um and a lot of people by far this film has been positive yes uh but there have been some criticisms from some people and one of them was that it's too much like a new hope. And I think that's kind of... um. Yeah, I was going to ask you, but what do you think? One, I think that, that's yeah. like an easy criticism, too. I don't think... It, it takes away from the um, the circular nature of Star Wars yeah. through all of it. Um, and that even includes the prequel trilogy as it's almost like things happen over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, the Skywalker, because even Ky- Kylo Ren, even though Solo would be his last name, he's still a Skywalker. Yeah. Um, that kind of like circular nature. We don't know what what Ray is yet, so yeah. There's, <clears> but there is like a circular nature there, of yeah. this is how it goes, you know. And um, so that's why I don't think the so much similarity to the plot of New Hope matters, right? That there is this circular nature of Star Wars. What happened once is going to happen again, and so forth. And we even see this within the movie. The first time Ray and Kylo Ren uh, meet on um Lupito Nongo's planet, I can't remember what it was called, um, where they're in the woods. Yeah. And he has his mask on and he follows her. He kind of like runs her down a uh, a narrow um this kind of like rock 
rock enclosed narrow uh, alleyway almost. Yeah. And he's the dominant in this. Yeah. He, in this he's kind chasing of thing. her. He's the, yeah. yeah. And then in the next time when we, we see the same thing when they're on the, the snow planet. Yeah. And uh, he no longer has the mask and she becomes the dominant. And they still go down that kind of. Uh-huh. And like I was saying, I wonder if it's the same place. They just covered in snow to make yeah, it, it might have even been yeah because it's the same sort of setup but now she's the dominant force so there is the the mirror the mirror um circular nature of what once was is going to happen again and also now she's the dominant one and it's because he's no longer has the mask he's no longer kylo ren he's now been solo yeah kind of i i thought um uh, uh kind of going to what you were just saying i i really felt like this movie fits in with the previous Star Wars movies in a way that the, the prequels, prequels oddly do not feel yeah. like, like unless you if you removed references to character names those do not feel like Star Wars movies Star Wars films yeah, at all. yeah well one of the things that they did and they smartly did was that they brought back the serial structure of Star Wars and I understand that. I don't mean like episode 1 episode 2 which has that serial structure yeah but um the original trilogy has a structure of um he does really. He doesn't really do cross cutting from George Lucas and the original ones. Cross cutting from like here's this scene and this is happening simultaneously right here. It's almost like here is like one section of the film and it tells one story. It's uh, it's the beginning with Poe on Jakku, yeah, getting yeah. the thing, and then here's another block of the story where Poe's on uh is is captured and Finn saves him, and now here's the next block of the story with Ray and BB-8. Now here's the next story where Finn joins up with him and so forth where it's almost like everything is like blocks episodic blocks in just like in an old serial like say you know flash gordon is kind of like a is a go-to but like the myriad of serials that were made at that time yeah and how that works and he brought that structure back in this one and i don't remember it as much in because i do remember a lot of cross-cutting between obi-wan's story and anakin and padme's story in attack of the clones right where they would cut back and forth and this one doesn't do that nearly as much and it does follow more in the the structure of the original it it feels more like an adventure to me where the the prequels um felt like melodrama in a or or in a weird way i mean and like you were talking about uh finn and and ray just the only thing that happened was a hug and the the dialogue between them felt very natural where well, the dialogue was a lot stronger than any of the prequels, but I think that a lot of that has to do with the return of Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, it was it was fantastically written. I think all the dialogue, all the the humor, the little elements, uh, BB-8, just his character were were very good. Yeah, um, and yeah, it made me really excited to want to see it again and uh, to see the the sequels to this. Um, and Rian Johnson, the guy who directed Brick, is writing yeah, and directing, and, and Looper as well. Yeah. Brian directing the next, the next two. Is well, it... he's writing and directing the next one, and he's writing the ninth oh, one. Oh, okay, cool. So Colin Trevor View, I think that's how you say his name. Oh. He directed Jurassic World as directing episode nine. Okay. Didn't kind of sucks. Yeah. But um, he's like shadowing Rain Johnson on episode eight, and I think Rain Johnson is going to be like helping him with episode nine. And I think that. Uh, one thing I I was not worried about, but I was curious about whether or not J.J. Abrams would 
be true to the style of oh he definitely not, was and not yeah not just the uh he did have a like two lens flares but they made sense why they would be yeah there. i noticed him when the yeah, the millennium i think the there. one because there was the lens flare at the ve- almost at the very beginning yeah and i almost think that was like a joke a little tongue like cheek, an yeah. joke but i i mean not not just the style the not just um the setting and the the characters but uh or the lighting or anything, which I thought all worked, but the editing sort of with the, the oh, yeah, wipes with and the, you, you can't, uh, I think getting rid of that would make it feel less like a star Wars movie, like a little yeah, detail. No, it definitely like felt like, yeah, it definitely felt like an actual star Wars movie, yeah. which I actually think was the hardest part for, for yeah. it. And it did very well. It I feel like a film that belongs within the same universe. And I do think they pulled that off quite well. Yeah. I loved it. All the new characters were great. Um, mm-hmm. There were some minor things I think could have made you know been better, but I I don't even know what I would have done differently. So, um, it was it was very very good. Yeah. And it had every it it just really worked in a, as a Star Wars movie. I thought yeah. so. Um. So I another criticism has been uh another thing I've heard people say is. Uh, Carrie Fisher as Leia. What did you think of Carrie Fisher? I I know she is Princess Leia, but what did you think of her performance in this? I thought she was she was fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I didn't I think she was bad. I think she was great. She was just she was what she was. She was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was it was it was fine. That's what I would say too. I thought that Harrison Ford, um, for me was uh was a little uh or, or I let's say Harrison Ford. I was. I was a little uh, wondering how he was going to do, right? So, yeah, because um, I think his more recent film roles haven't been fantastic, but I thought he did great in this, and I think that Carrie Fisher did okay in this. I think because uh, I, before I watched it, I saw uh, the original Star Wars movies again, and she's pretty good in those. I thought like here, I felt like the chemistry between her and uh, and uh, Han Solo was a little bit. I wasn't there for me. And 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 I think that's in part because of the dialogue they gave her was mostly exposition, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Like the conversation they have is, it's basically like here we're explaining to you the audience what is we're setting up, you know, the character of Kylo Ren and so forth. Well, yeah, that's what her character essentially was there for. I know, and I, I felt like it was um, not so. Uh, like they could have given her something else, but I thought she did she did a good job or an okay job. Well, I think they wanted to focus primarily on the new cast, which is what they did. Yeah, but so they also had to focus on one old cast member. Yeah, and Han Solo kinda, was the one to. And do. Han Solo was the best one to pick. Yep, really I, I agree. And so yeah, speaking of that, I I was surprised. I wasn't sure what would happen with Luke, and I uh, we did see Luke, and uh, yeah. at the very end, and I loved that scene and the build up to it. I thought it was really good. Didn't and... I tell you? I know I said this to Kat, and I thought I told it to you too that he won't be in the entire. He will only show up at the end, like before the movie was made. I'm like, this is—he's only going to show up at the end. Oh, you didn't tell me that because I—or if you did, I forgot. <laughs> I don't know why I knew that—that's what the plot was going. You know, the you had a vision. Was it's going to be the search for him? I don't know, why, but I know I told Kat that. Oh, I didn't that's... know that. I didn't know that at all. Uh, but I, I, because I thought, oh, the movie's ending. We're not going to see him. But then at the very end, he, you know, turns around. And and the look, he looks great. I thought, like the way, yeah. you know, they made him be the old hermit. You know, kind of yeah. like like you said, the cyclical nature. Um. So so you've probably heard some theories about uh 
Ray's character. What do you do? You want to weigh in on those before we wrap it up? Uh, well, um, I don't think she's a Skywalker. I will okay. say that. Okay. I think there's more of a chance of her being related to uh the Kenobi clan. Okay. Yeah, that's that's or her big... or her being related to uh, Darth Sidious. Oh, I see. Okay, I didn't even think of that. I know the uh, the one one of the complaints is that oh, she's like a Mary Sue character, which I think is a dumb complaint. I, I was surprised at that. I didn't get that and at all. All that her. is all that is is that the small group of fanboys that are mad that the main hero of Star Wars is now a girl. I think that's, that's a all that is small group though. That right is that is all it is. It's the same ones that were complaining that one of the main characters was black when the trailers first came out. Yeah, I don't even That's know all that it is. is. Yeah. I don't know why people uh, complain about that. I thought she was great. I don't think she's a... So anytime there's a competent female, that's what it is. It's a dumb complaint. Yeah. It's also obvious that she was being trained as a Jedi at the same time Kylo Ren was. I mean, they couldn't have made that any more clear. Yeah. Um, so she just was quite a bit younger than him. Yeah. So all those things very obvious and anytime there's a competent female she's not a mary sue just because she's competent can do things so yeah, i think that's I, a dumb complaint i think it i don't think it's a valid complaint it's either. just I think. it's just butthurt fanboys that are mad that it's a girl that they're that she's the main character i i think that mary sue characters are a uh, that that is just a a flat character right and I yeah. think that's a weird and those do exist. I do not understand how people could say that her character was that at all. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. she she had stuff to do, she had personality, she was like a interesting part of that movie. Uh, I I think the most interesting part of that movie probably. Um which was hard to do like you said to including the old cast. I was wondering how that was going to work, but the new characters work so well with them. Oh, I agree. And it I mean, so outshined it the not outshined, but really worked well. Especially her and Han Solo together. I thought were that. Was well, my thing was like after I was like, I God, I hope I get more than just three movies with these characters. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let me. Add, this is something I've been thinking about recently. I it's been a long time since I've seen the prequels. Right. Yeah. I don't know when the last time you saw the last. Uh, I saw Phantom Menace in theaters in three D. Yeah, you saw that three D one. Yeah. And it was so. It, it's it's not a good movie. Right. Um, do there you are think, definitely problems with it. Do you think that um, there, there, to, in my opinion, there's a lot of like serious <laughs> problems with that movie. Yeah. Um, to the point where I wonder. I don't think that Disney's going to touch this. But do you ever think that the prequels will be remade? And if you do, like, what kind of outcry, if any, will there be? I think George Lucas might have it in the contract that they cannot be remade, but. What, what do you yeah, think? I never actually, I never actually thought of that, but I think it's something that could theoretically happen, but like years, years from yeah, now. Yeah. Um. I don't think that I've... the originals will ever be remade, but I yeah, think one, there is a chance that the prequels could. One, one thing I've noticed, um, with the release of the Force Awakens, yeah, is that there are a lot of late teen, early twenty year old people on the internet and they're the ones that are typically the ones that are the sympathizers anti anti force awakens oh really and they're oh, more of okay. the and it's because the force awakens has been so universally loved i mean very great critical response and so forth 
And um, and it, and I think it's almost in response to how much the prequels were universally hated. And yet, if you're like 19, 20, or something, you were a kid when the yeah. prequels came out. So those are what you grew up with. Yeah. And so you probably have the nostalgic feelings for those that a lot of people say our age and older have for the original trilogy. So I was tw- uh, in 1997 when they re-released when Star Wars was getting big again, right? The 20th yeah. anniversary. I was 10 years old in 1999. I was 12, so I was like right in the demographic, yeah. and I and I really loved the Phantom Menace. So yeah. I feel like I am a person who should be should like the Phantom Menace based on nostalgia. I have nostalgia. <laughs> I like collected all the Pepsi cans. I was really into it. Uh, yeah. I get all the Pepsi cans too. That was a fun. That was a fun thing. I wish they redid yeah. that actually. I did too. Yeah. Force Awakens. Um, it was that that movie. It's just bad. It's, um, and and I like you got to give credit to George Lucas for creating this universe and doing. He's obviously a really smart person, but somehow something went wrong in that movie, and um, you know I think one of the the main problems for the Phantom I. The main problem with the Phantom Menace is casting and the dialogue. I yes, and the story. The <laughs> dialogue is really bad. I actually think if you had better dialogue, the story would have been fine. Let me ask you something. Let me, this is like a, a, an experiment. Who is the main character of um, the Force Awakens? Who was the, well? I mean, you could argue Ray. Yeah, but, but you could point to but someone. Finn was just as much of a char- important character, and so was Kylo Ren. Right. Who who was the main character of Phantom Menace? Well, you could argue that Qui Gon Jinn was. He was at least yeah, the main. Story I would I would say us. you you would have to say Qui Gon Jinn. It, okay, you, he was the best character in the Phantom Menace as well. Yeah. Just okay. Describe Han Solo to me without describing what he looks like. You mean like a character type? Yeah. They, well, like. What is he like? If I well, if the, he was a the, person, the, the the lovable rogue. Yeah, he's kind of a rogue. He's he's roguish. He's cocky, but but yeah, also lovable, kind of sincere yeah. and, and right. And and you could do the same. You could do that for what? How would you describe Qui Gon Jinn? He is the wise, the wise sage, yet young. You would say Qui Gon Jinn is young. He's not. Younger. He's not like Obi Wan Kenobi's age and how, a new hope. How would you describe the character of Queen Amidala? She is the. the it's very hard to. I, no, I, uh, she is like, like a very stiff, regal character. But she changes in the other films. But she's incredibly stiff and regal stiff. as Queen Amidala. Yeah. But as uh, Padme, she's uh, kind of less stiff when less she's stiff, but undercover. Kind of stiff. I, I, I yeah. think. I think the characterization. But that, I, a lot of that is the dialogue. I, I think you're right. The dialogue was bad. The plot of that movie... It's and, very and interesting. My, yeah. well, I think one of the things about the prequels, and I think a lot of people dump on the prequels for this, especially Phantom Menace, yeah. but I actually think it's a relatively interesting thing that he did, was that the prequel trilogy, a lot of, especially Phantom Menace, a lot of the plot relies on basic politics. Yeah, and, and I would say that's that's. And I why. actually think that's I actually think that's a very interesting thing. He I did. do too. But George Lucas has said, I mean, another uh, one, maybe the major criticism of of the the Phantom Menace is the character of Jar Jar Binks, right? And yeah. how yeah. how just weird. 
out of place in the Star Wars universe. It feels, he feels. And, and George Lucas says, well, this is a movie for kids. People don't understand. It's a movie for kids. I made it for kids. And honestly, a 12-year-old, I like Jar Jar Binks. So George Lucas is right. But you can't. I mean, if the tone of the movie... Well, that's the problem, is that, that he says this is a movie for kids, and Jar Jar Binks is a character for kids, and yet it's a movie that's about... That's what I mean. In, like, like trade regulations. Yeah, it, and the tone of the movie changes... Um, uh, like, so, so the, the, the Force Awakens tonally felt like it fit Tonally around. felt right, yeah. yeah. And now, I do think, and I know there's, like, all this stuff, like, oh, Jar Jar was supposed to, you know... The like, the, all the stuff oh. with Jar Jar thing on there, which, obviously, that's not true. I, I do I think, and I... And I do believe, and I know I've told this to you, is that Jar Jar, I believe, was supposed to be a bigger element of the Attack of the Clones yeah. and Revenge of the Sith, where he is kind of like the tool that's used to have the rise of the Empire, but almost because of his, how dumb he was and his just overall mistakes that he continuously makes. Yeah, but it's like... I, I... And the reason is, and I know there's that one part in the video where it's like, you know, Jar Jar's the key to all this. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's taken out of context. Yeah, he's like, we have to make, if he doesn't work, it's really weird, I think. Because he was yeah. the first full digital Slapstick. character. Yeah, yeah. No, he was uh, the first full digital character. If people didn't believe he was real, well, what, that he was actually on, well, like he yeah. was actually there with these two guys, then the whole film wouldn't have worked. Well, That's well, what he said. His line after that was, he's the funniest character we've ever done. Yeah. So I, I interpreted it as he was like, he has to work, I think you're right, both in, reality as him being there and also like he he has to be funny i think is what he yeah. was saying he has to uh, yeah but, i mean that's but taken I out context from what they're using in that video uh, re, uh, and another thing like off talk a little bit rewatch the phantom menace and tell me that it's not like subtly racist throughout it oh no it's not even like is. subtly it's kind no, of it, like yeah no it definitely is it's which i found found very odd to be honest with you but i, no, I found it more odd than offensive really. i wasn't really yeah. offended i just think like it's very i i couldn't it's like the characters were either to me in my opinion very flat or like cookie cutter racist caricatures and, and like felt... there were a lot of different it wasn't just jar jar binks it was the like the trade regulation gu- regulation guys yeah. had like this weird Asian accent. The guy who yeah. owned Anakin, it was like, it, 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 it's, it's bizarre. It's and... bizarre. Um, so best movie of 2015, the the, the Phantom <laughs> Menace. <laughs> his problem was in the original trilogy. His greatest strength was that he seemed to trust other people, whereas in the in the yes, yeah. trilogy, he seemed to want to do it all himself. Because I know he gets single screenwriting credit on Star Wars, but Willard Hayek and Gloria Katz wrote yeah, the dialogue. Yeah. I would say... I mean, they did. I mean, that was an uncredited... And he had Brian De Palma, like, put cer- certain scenes together. Yeah. And things like that. Yeah. Like, and whereas in this one, it's all, like, I don't, I don't think he trusted the people, anyone else... Or, you know what? To, to like, aid in the and, vision. And, like, I can't blame him. Like, he had money. He wanted to do it himself. Like, let him But Empire it. Strikes Back, he paid for Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And that was even a bigger risk. Yeah. But I see as... Because that was completely out of pocket. Empire Strikes Back. Like, I feel the criticism that George Lucas, his response to the criticism is these are movies for kids. That's often the response I've heard, which is true. But I feel like you can't do that and have the kind of stuff that was in those movies and make it work. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, like, like, things about trade regulations. Right, yeah. Or uh, backdoor politics in the Senate. And and then also, like... Uh, many people's favorite of the prequels is uh, uh, Revenge mm-hmm. of the Sith, which I guess is my favorite too. 
um, like the tone of that movie versus Phantom oh, Menace is, is so, so like I even think unnecessarily dark. Like when he's killed all the kids, it was like, whoa, that's that's like the, dark. Wait dark a minute, stuff. the younglings. The younglings. Oh god, the younglings. I. You know, yeah, George that... Lucas has a tinny ear for dialogue. I mean, he really does. I mean, he writes terrible dialogue, and he's always had help making it better. Yeah, which I, I'm not was... saying that like I could do any better, but I I would be really interested in. Hey, can hear... you hold for a second, Steve? Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, uh, I, I would, I would be interested to see other people's take on the prequels and even reworking some of the plot points of the prequels. I think would be interesting. Yeah. Um, and I've seen fan edits. I've been interested in those, and there's only so much you can do because, like you said, you can't change the dialogue. Yeah. And uh, the dialogue's all not good. No, the dialogue is terrible. <laughs> But Force Awakens was awesome. I, my and, and, and he can't direct actors to save his life, and pretty much everyone has always said that's worked with him. His only direction towards the actors is faster. Do it faster. <laughs> Which I think is kind of funny. Like, but, he's, uh, but, he, but he is a very visual director, and I remember someone I recently said that uh, out of all of the new Hollywood like kids yeah. that were directors, you know, so Lucas... Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, Francis Coppola, Brian De Palma, so on and so forth. Um, said that he's the most formalist okay. of all the directors, and uh, I agree. Um, formalist film is kind of like an experimental kind of yeah film theory, where it's you focus on the technical elements of films, lighting, which you know includes lighting and the sound and set design. Definitely sound design. I mean, he has a raging heart on for sound design in all of his movies. Yeah. And the use of sound, even in something like American Graffiti, yeah. because of the way that he incorporated the pop music. And again, uh, the way that he always shot technology. And again, in uh, American Graffiti as well, the way that he shot cars and things. Yeah. Um, so he always cared about things like the shot composition and editing and the sound design more than the acting and stuff. And, um, or any other parts of his films. And there were a lot of them, like Mark Scorsese's very stylish director that has a lot of things on score and sound design and things like that. But um, formalism in film is different than other things. It's m much more um, like stationary camera work and things like that. Not that he, George Lucas always did stationary camera work. I mean, it's kind of hard to say without saying, like, this is a formalist film. Yeah. But um, So, movie of the year 2015 goes to Phantom Menace. Definitely. Definitely. All right. A good year for movies and music and TV mm -hmm. and comics. 2016 will have a lot in store. So do you want to wrap up anything? Uh... I guess if, if anyone wants to look at like formalism in yeah. film or formalistic film, you might want to look at something like something by, um, what's called Wavelength. Okay. It's a experimental film. Okay. What year, what year is it? Roughly? Um, yeah, 1967. Okay. 
We should so. put all these links up to the stuff we've discussed on uh, on our Facebook, facebook.com slash Stephen Andy. And uh, I guess if you want to know more, hear more Andy talk with Zach, you can listen to Film Drive, right? Yeah, Find I think we're recording. ITunes. I think we're recording a new episode. What are you guys week. talking about? Uh, the film the, the little <laughs> the film the little prince. Oh, cool. Okay. I, I, I chose that one, and we're having a guest on, but I can't oh, remember. It's George Lucas. It's, it's George Lucas. He's probably a fan of the little prince. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. All right. Um, but but in it, I I hope that we because Bob Fosse's in it, because uh, it's a musical. Yeah. And uh, and it's based on the story, the little prince. Yeah. And um, there is a one of the dance scenes where Bob Fosse plays a snake. Yeah. And um, you'll see where Michael Jackson got all of his dance moves. Because oh yeah, I've seen. He, have you seen that part? From yeah, the yeah. yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. And what's funny is uh, Beyonce's you know single ladies video is just a Bob Fosse thing. Oh he really? Did almost almost exactly the same thing. It's pretty funny. But Bob Fosse is one of the greatest choreographers ever and a great director. Although so he can direct. Check out Film Jive for more Beyonce. Um. Talk, which we probably will talk about because of Bob Fosse. I'm sure Bob Fosse will be a big part of what we're talking about. So any closing comments you want to add? Well, I mean, I'm not surprised that the film of the year was The Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. No, I mean, um, it was a, this was a fun episode. Yeah. I, liked, um, I mean, Batman Family. Oh, my God. God I know. We're eventually going to have to talk about the Gordon Alfred story. That's yeah, we should we should it's, we should do that too. It's intense. I haven't read it yet. Uh, it's pretty intense. And we have a new episode coming up. Yep. After this, right, with yep. uh, starring Robin. That's right. More Robin coming at you. Yeah. And then and then we'll get back on the adventure comics. Yep. Right. Just back on the the train. And back on the adventure comics train. So we'll have um, Robin, Supergirl, and Adventure Comics, right? Yep. All right, Andy. Happy yes. New Year. Oh, and, and oh, we're going to do the Beyonce stories too, right? Beyonce stories. Yeah, like the ones from uh, Journey into Journey into Mystery starring Beyonce. Yes, that's right. That's on Film Jive, I thought. Uh, it is. It is. Okay. Well, we can we can do it too. <laughs> we should just do cover the same stuff. Mm-hmm. It's Film Jive. All right, Andy. Happy yes. New Year. Happy New Year to you, Steve. And I will talk to you later. Steven Sebastian. <laughs> See ya. See ya.